Maverick News presents The Rick Walker Show Defrag your mind Howdy everybody Welcome back Maverick family Hello new viewers Welcome back to the Maverick News Channel. Tonight, another attack in Israel. Somebody stabbed a little old lady, stole her vehicle, ran over a bunch of people. We'll tell you about that. Uh, another attack on a merchant ship in the Red Sea. We'll tell you about that. Iowa. The race for second place is underway. As Republicans prepared to coronate Donald Trump. We'll tell you about that. Ecuador. It looks like the government of the day is finally bringing some of the chaos to a, uh, a conclusion, getting control of things again as this unrest, this bizarre sort of civil war thing erupted about five days ago or so, almost a week ago. It's really a drug war or a war with the drug cartels in Ecuador. And some of the stuff that has been going on, it has been bizarre. We'll show you the Batman and the Joker armed on the streets. We'll show you a lot of stuff tonight. Uh, but before we get into all of the news of the day, also, um, just back to the First story, another development in the Israel-Gaza situation. Hamas has released a video showing what appears to be two dead Israeli hostages. So we'll tell you about that tonight as well. But what we're going to do first tonight, and we'll try to get to the phones at some point. I keep interrupting myself. We'll try to get to the phones near the end of the broadcast this evening. But first, what we're going to do is we're going to take a break, and then when we come back on the other side of the break, our good friend Gail Robertson will join us for part two of a discussion on the arrest of Canadian Rebel News journalist David Menzies and what that means in today's political landscape, what it means for independent journalists. So we'll dig into that issue a little bit more. We had a panel discussion on it, uh, what, two nights ago? Yeah, I think that's sad. Whatever day it was, I'm losing track of the days. I think it was two days ago. So we're going to pick up the conversation and have another, another go around with that, uh, with Gail. And that will open our, our program tonight. And we'll also bring you up to date on the situation with the Coots 4 
as well on this very cold Monday, January 15th, 2024. Stay with me. There's a lot ahead. Don't go away. Maverick News. Fighting for freedom. The New World Order. Government overreach. The Great Reset. Mainstream media lies. Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com. That's freedomreporters.com. Maverick News. The Antivirus Program. For your mind. Gail, it is so good to have you on the program. I truly appreciate you spending the time here with us. Um, long time no see. I, I'm, I'm really grateful and excited to hear what your take is on this arrest of David Menzies. I'll just throw it out there like that and get your initial thoughts. Well, when I first saw it happen, I I was a bit taken aback. And yet, I also thought it seemed to be on brand right now for both Rebel News, maybe, and as well as on brand for uh, our current, you know, government leadership. Uh, and, you know, it's not so much that the police officer intervened or the security intervened, it was the arrest that happened, right? The And the handcuffing. This is what is very, very concerning. Now, I am a, I call myself a recovering journalist like you. I spent, you know, over a decade as a reporter. And, you know, whether we agree or disagree with any reporter and, you know, reporters at times can be from any organization can be a bit obnoxious at times. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of, at one point that used to be a badge of honor, right? I mean, in, even in mainstream media, uh, as reporters, we were sometimes assigned to chase down people, to find them, to go, like our job was to go get a quote from them and wherever that may be. And that was seen as, that was celebrated. It was encouraged. And now we have someone you know, from Rebel News that was approaching uh, Christopher Freeland. And I didn't think he was being, you know, um, he didn't seem to touch her or do anything out of the ordinary that any reporter would do, other than maybe asking a question that some people found uncomfortable. Um, So, yeah, it seems to be that this is indicative of uh, where we're at with uh, media and politics right now, and it is very concerning. Do you think police, the, the police officer, was acting in a political way? You know, and this is, I just, on my show, I have a show called Curious Minds, I, I interviewed Peter Menzies, who is a, a former um, a publisher, Calgary Herald publisher, and we talked about this because I said, you know, do you think this was set up? Do you think it was planned? Do we think it was political? Some people are thinking that 
he gave a comment that I, I may agree that it, it may have been more of just in the moment, the police reacted, the, the particular police officer may have just in the moment went a bit overboard, or I would say maybe a lot overboard. And that can happen in the heat of the moment. So one of the things that happened as well, so, you know, the, the other York police were involved, they put the handcuffs on him. And then now this, I just learned, apparently they took him in the car, drove him nearby and released him behind a school. Very strange, this, and, and no charges. So, and Peter said this, likely the other police officers, they've talked among themselves and said, time out here. We, this is not a very good arrest and it will not bode well if we try to, you know, take this any further. Unfortunately, the damage was done and it became a, a big story. It's, I mean, uh, we talked about this too, that, uh, and Peter said this, I don't want to take, steal this comment. He said, you know, uh, Rebel News and David Menzies might be living rent-free in the PMO's head. And like, there, there seems to be this anti-Rebel News and it actually gives them more power and they're now going to raise more money from this. So, yeah. you know, if if they thought that this was an attempt to shut him down or shut them down, it actually probably gave them greater uh, notoriety, greater exposure. What's interesting, too, is that because of coverage, I would say, on a platform like Twitter or now X, it now has been picked up by a lot of the mainstream media. And it has been, I mean, we're talking about it. The story has actually taken off. And now a lot of people are questioning, you know, one of the questions is, what is a journalist in 2024 and beyond? What makes a journalist? And, you know, there the world has changed. Uh, media has changed. And yet I think some people, mostly more mainstream media people think only real journalists work in mainstream media. But that's not the case when we look at the reality of where people are getting their news. I mean, they're watching shows like yours, Rick. They're going to follow people like a Joe Rogan. They're following all sorts of people on YouTube, on Rumble, on, you know, even my show, right? I mean, so yep. there's what makes a journalist. I think we have to have a better understanding of that. And even if this was, okay, say we, we agree that David Menzies is not a real journalist. Let's, if, if that's the case, he's not a real journalist, then what do we think about a member of the public approaching someone, asking a question, and then getting arrested? To me, that's almost like, I think that's worse. <laughs> and yeah, the tables could get turned. And I, I don't understand why people are looking at it in such a, you know, either partisan or very, um, you know, personal way, as opposed to saying, do we think this approach would be right to happen to anyone? What you touched on there is, is the broader issue that has bubbled to the surface again for me. And that is what is a journalist? I have struggled with this. Anybody can be a journalist, but the problem for journalists is that some people say they're journalists when they are political activists. Mm -hmm. That's especially problematic in a war zone where you may have a government operative or maybe even someone working for an intelligence service or agency 
who says they're a journalist, but they're actually a spy, then that gives license to governments, dictators, authoritarians to target real journalists and call them spies. This has always been a problem. Mm -hmm. It's more pronounced today because of social media, because of people running around with cell phones, being citizen journalists. I'm not sure how we as a society deal with this or how police deal with it or governments. This forces us to re-examine that whole question, I think, because of the technology and the way that it has affected journalism. What are your thoughts? Yes, and it is, you know, Peter and I talked about this on my show and the idea of, you know, what is a journalist and, you know, should should we have some sort of registry or should they be licensed or, you know, and that opens up a whole other discussion because then who decides what a journalist is? I think this is like anything. It's, you know, we may not like the world we're in right now in terms of, you know, the digital world and social media, and, but that is the reality. And the reality of what makes a journalist has also changed. And we, we have to kind of accept that there is this broader approach to how stories are being covered. And there are some stories, and, and I think this is where mainstream media is maybe hurt themselves a little bit at times, or maybe a lot, that because they haven't covered some of the stories and they haven't taken that approach of, like when I was in journalism school, and I still believe this, that you should come into stories and, and not just accept whoever's in power. We are supposed to speak truth to power, challenge people in positions of power, and you know not just accept what is given to us and we've seen this over recent years that that's what's happened is that you know media aren't really challenging um the current government and they're and it it's hurting now media because people have lost faith and trust and they're turning now to alternative sources so that seems to be the bigger problem is that we've we've got away from um you know i think journalism used to have more of that idea that you know avoid partisanship and um try to get you know cover the story in a way that doesn't bring in your own personal views now we've that's net there's no perfect system around that because it's never been perfect that that's the way it's been but i think it was better than it is now i would agree with that it's uh it's a, it's a it's a problem right now too though because Journalism, in my mind, is, is should be a public service. You should be trying to serve the public yes. and the best interest of the public. But not everybody is doing that. And I see, I see misinformation, disinformation uh, across the spectrum. I see mm -hmm. people lying on all sides. Mm -hmm. I see some people trying to do a good job. And it's, it's becoming especially with artificial intelligence and the information war that's ongoing right now. And you're in it. We're in war in a period of war. So truth is a casualty, obviously, because of all the propaganda. Uh, I, it's difficult for the public to figure out what truth is anymore. Yeah. And I think to a certain degree, that's not a new problem. I think we, we've lost though. What we have lost sight of is the ability for more people to have discussions and debates about things and not to get attacked and not to get unfriended and not to get canceled and not to get abused. And, 
that's probably the biggest change is there used to be a little more opportunity that you could agree with, you know, different political parties and, you know, not, not be against them a hundred percent and also not defend your own uh, political party to the nth degree. Right. And that's, I think what's happened now is people have got very divided and we have though, that's almost encouraged to a certain degree. And again, I'll go back to looking at what happened during COVID where, you know, that divide was almost celebrated to, you know, um, banish people who didn't think the way we were told we should think. And a lot of people now are looking at, you know, news stories coming out and finding out about, you know, what's happening in, uh, specifically about what's happened during COVID. And we now what's happened is people have lost trust and faith public health, in politicians, in media. Yeah. And that's a big, big problem right now. And why we need, you know, I work in this area, I said, we need more curiosity. We need to be asking more questions and you need to do research and don't just cherry pick, you know, you see one comment or one headline, make sure you check into it a bit more and, and we need to have more critical thinking. That's another thing we've lost that in our schools, um, in our friendships. Do you think, uh, I think the public, certain segments of the public have lost a lot of confidence and trust in policing as mm -hmm. well. I think right. police services, their, their culture, their professional culture, their ideology, uh, their approach that used to be community policing based has shifted. It's changed. I think it is more ideological, politically ideological. Um, but do you think the arrest of David Menzies and incidents like we saw during the Freedom Convoy where people were beaten, those kinds of things, is that a big, is that a problem? Yes. And I, I will say this, that I have a great deal of compassion for police. And at the same time, I think things are, have become more political because there is greater influence from politicians into police, into our justice system. Very, very dangerous, very dangerous because I said, those tables will get turned and people will not like it when it's turned against them. And now when we look at what's happened, like what happened in Ottawa with the convoy versus what's happening now with protests, uh, whether you want to say pro-Palestine, pro-anti-Israel, whatever, however term you want to use, but we see these protests now and we see a different approach. And even though, and I've heard people say, yeah, well, it was different because in Ottawa, they, they set up encampments and they were settled in there. But now we still see protests that are happening for months. They, they're moving around, but they're targeting certain areas or so it appears. And, you know, the police... I've heard this from a few people that the police fear for stepping in and taking action. Now, here's the other thing that's happening is the media coverage, right? The media coverage in the Freedom Convoy, uh, you know, early on, there was lots of media stories looking at who was funding these people, who was funding these, you know, uh, groups of, you know, truckers that were coming in. And the assumption is that they were wrong and they were getting funded by some international or U.S. forces. And the current protests, only now are we starting to see more recently uh, some research into the funding of who, who are the people that are out protesting. And, you know, there is some very delicate topics 
that uh, both the media and the police are reluctant to touch upon because you'll get called a racist or a misogynist or white supremacist or whatever term of the day if you question anything. And that's very dangerous. And I, I think it's very difficult for the police. One other thing I'll, I'll say too, that this was a former police officer said this to me, that there's a lot of similarities between police and media in that there's this sense of you have to stick together. We're in this together. And with police, it's for a safety reason too, because if they're out there, they have to go by what they've been directed to do because it's, it involves the protection and the safety of their partners and the people. So that's their training. I think media have a very similar, like you don't want to be that reporter that goes question something that no one else is asking about. And I've seen this on Twitter and X, like there's, if you go off the rails and ask a question, you get labeled, you know, crazy person or you're, um, you know, you're a right wing ringer, you're, uh, whatever, again, um, name call, they, they want to name call you if you happen to ask questions. Yeah, they want to exile you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that public safety is an issue here because when, when people lose trust in police, I was seeing that with the wildfires out West where some people, social media influencers were online saying, just go around those firefighters and police barricades, go in and fight the fire yourselves. The government's setting all those fires. You know, we have to take matters into our own hands. And you have, you have these vigilante firefighters out there. And some people actually did get into, into some unsafe situations where they had to be rescued. I think, and this is my opinion, and I'll get you to comment on it, but when you see police engaging in things that appear to be political when they that when they don't approach things with an even hand it it creates distrust it creates a confidence issue that leads to issues of public safety ultimately because people don't want to talk to the cops they they want to go around the barricades yes this is i have never seen to this extent to how people um you know, how they're responding to police, but also a police sometimes can respond. Like this is where it's really dangerous with what happened with David Menzies, because that one officer really, that, that struck a nerve with a lot of people and it was an overreach. I, mm -hmm. I'd be hard pressed. I mean, I know there's people that don't think it's an overreach. I'd really question that because if you see the video and the different angles, uh, I mean, it just seems to that hurts people's confidence in the police. And then you see people now just telling the police, like, I don't have to talk to you. You don't like, and, and this yeah. is where it's, I think the police really want to diffuse some situations, but in, in Ottawa, the Ottawa convoy, we saw what a mess, right? I mean, it was a complete mess with how, how the police were reacting, how, you know, there was a different levels of police, but it also, you know, I always said this goes back to there's a top down aspect to this. And when people were told, we're not going to listen to you, you know, you're calling them names. And, and, you know, this was this is where, you know, our prime minister has a duty to be a leader and to bring people together and to really look at saying, you know, listen, there was there would have been no harm. I strongly 
believe this, that there would have been no harm in just sitting down with some of the people. Now they're challenging these people as leaders, but at the time they said, you know, oh, we're not going to talk to them. You know, communication often diffuses problems. And we see this in, you know, right now in the education system as well. I see, you know, this little, this is a big problem with where, you know, we're lost, we've lost sight of respect too for treating people with respect. Um, and I, that bothers me a lot as someone who thinks we need to go back to some of those uh, topics and encourage more respect and not just uh, name calling because it, calling people names is never going to solve a problem. Yes. With police, I don't know about you, but my relationship with police when I was with mainstream media for over 20 years was always very good. Mm -hmm. uh, excellent relationships. It was always about public safety, um, working hand in hand with them to, to get the right messaging out, not being, you know, one of them, mm -hmm. uh, you know, holding them accountable where necessary as well. And they would hold me accountable if I did something illegal, they'd arrest me, right? Yeah. So that's fair. But how do we get back to that kind of relationship because I know now when I've called police to get information on a story, sometimes they talk to me, but often they won't even call me back because it's like, oh, he's not with, you know, he's not an official reporter anymore because he's not with CBC or CTV. So how do we get back to, or how do we get to a place where we can improve that relationship? You know, that's going to be a big job ahead of us because it's not just about the police and media now. It's about a whole political agenda. It's about, um, I mean, we have constant battles. We see this in the House of Commons as well. Um, we need to have a whole different approach to how people are uh, making decisions. And sadly, we're in a we're in a big mess right now when it comes to um, how politics is happening and you know I've said this for a while there's a pendulum and the pendulum has swung very far to one side and it's starting to swing back and you know my goal is that I hope we can find to settle somewhere more central sadly though I see this that people are very stuck and dug in on um, you know from a partisan perspective here's one story too that there's someone on um, Twitter slash X that was commenting, and this is a person with a journalism background, was commenting, you know, very much thinking David Menzies deserved it and, you know, the police were right, but then was defending an Indigenous reporter who was, you know, uh, uh, arrested when they were removing an encampment. I think this was in Edmonton. And I mean, I also, my understanding is that she was given a heads up, listen, we're going to come in and be doing arrests. And this person decided to stay. And I, like full power to someone that's like got that kind of, you know, belief and, and is going to stay with the story and, and decide to get arrested. But um, I think they're two separate cases as well. And um, yeah, so we, these are the things that when people get very dug in on partisanship, as opposed to stepping back and saying, Hmm, let's look at this from the big picture. Let's ask more questions and figure out what's the best way to get to a solution as opposed to just saying, Oh, well, I'm going to defend this person because they 
adhere to my beliefs, right? And, um, you know, lots of people are saying this, like, and I've been very clear, I'm not a big fan of the David Menzies Rebel News approach to coverage of certain stories. But some of the things I think they're doing well, there's a story they're covering right now up in Ottawa. It's an Ottawa police officer who um, during COVID was um, working to, I think, protect a, a woman. Um, it was an issue related to, um, I don't want to get into it because I don't know the, the specifics other than um, the police now are saying that she can't use her notes as a police officer. So there's a charge. Oh, the Helen Gruz case. Helen Gruz, thank you, yes. yes. And that's a really fascinating story that Rebel News is covering. So, and it's on Twitter's last act. So there's a lot of stories that would never see the light of day if we didn't have, you know, some uh, uh, organizations that were digging into these stories. And, you know, sometimes you gotta take the good with the bad. And I mean, there's lots of two mainstream that are doing some good investigative pieces too. So um, yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's an uphill battle. What we have facing us, Rick is not, a, there's no easy answer. It's going to take some people that will, uh, I think, and it's probably going to have to be leadership in the political arena that will work to mend some fences. On this, on our side as journalists, I'm not comfortable doing what I'm doing. I, I, I'm not comfortable in my own skin any night when I'm sitting in this chair because journalism has changed. I'm still old school, but I'm practicing new form journalism. There's opinion in it. Every time I spout off, I cringe. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 I'm navigating my way through, but I don't like what I'm doing. Um, but I'm still actually enjoying it at the same time. It's a double-edged sword. But I, I want your, your thoughts on this. I'm also seeing out on the street some independent journalists actually getting right up in the face of police officers. That, again, because I'm old school, that really bothers me. I would never do that. I understand why, I'm, why some people are doing it. Uh, again, it comes down to an erosion of relationship between journalists, in particular independent journalists and police. They don't seem to know how to treat each other properly. Uh, I would never do it, but some people are. And so where, where are we at with that? I don't even know how to formulate the question because it's such a complex question issue. Well, I think we see this now is that as, as we let things percolate, and when I say that, we're letting a lot of this fester. These problems are festering and becoming problems and people are now out protesting. And I, I agree. I think yelling at specific police officers, I saw this during the convoy. I see it during the current protests. You know, um, that's not going to get you too far. And I don't think it helps the situation. Um, a lot of these people, it's like though yelling at the person that's the frontline person in the retail store, right? It, they're not making these decisions. They are part of an organization that they're given their direction to go out and do. Again, I think we need to have a different approach to uh, how we communicate. So yeah, that is, that is a problem. I don't agree with this getting in police faces either because they, well, A, they have a gun, <laughs> but you know, the other thing is they are doing their job, which is, you know, to be out there um, and, you know, keep the peace or try to, um, you know, 
follow direction. The problem is what I said at the start is that it's about the political interference. That's at the root of why we're at where we are now is that there's been, you know, calls made and, uh, you know, what we saw in the convoy happen with people, there were people that were, you know, hurt, um, from mainly like they were standing their ground, rightly or wrongly, they were standing their ground. And, and we see it now in protests and the police are allowing some of these things. So this is where people feel like it's become more political. Why are, why is, why are they not taking a different position yeah. on the current protest versus Ottawa? And, um, and the other thing is, you know, in Ottawa, they were going to, um, you know, the parliament, right? They went to where parliament sits to the national uh, city in our country. And, you know, and this has got me, I know, with some people that I know in Ottawa, because I said, listen, you don't own that city. That's owned by all of Canada. If you decide to live in Ottawa, that's different than living in other yeah. places. So, um, you know, I question if, if the issue is right now with, um, from a Palestinian pr uh, perspective, if the issue is with Israel, why not be at the Israel embassy? Why not be at, you know, even if you think our government, then go to a government office person, but to go to individual communities, to go after Jewish owned businesses, that does not seem to be what is that? I mean, if you truly are against a certain policy, you know, that's what I find puzzling as to why that's happening. And, you know, I'm definitely curious about that. Why? I mean, I might have an answer, but mm -hmm. uh, it is, that's a problem. That's why people have lost faith and trust because now decisions are being made from a political perspective, not a consistent um, uh, pattern of decision-making. And anytime you're not consistent, we run into problems. Do you consider what you're doing journalism with with your program i i would yeah yes i do um you know when i started curious minds i really wanted to get to talk to talk to people that either or are ignored by mainstream media or they are being dismissed or maybe not um quoted appropriately so my job really is to ask questions and to give people an opportunity to talk about topics, whether it's about, you know, I work in manufacturing. I mean, the ban on plastics. I've interviewed uh, Christy Armit, fascinating about how decisions on plastic bans are being made from an emotional perspective, not a data-based uh, perspective. And, you know, topics like this about media coverage are really, really important for us to have these discussions. And, you know, I, I often quote um, Ted Lasso, be curious, not judgmental. And I, I try to do that. I try to really, you know, encourage more curiosity from people. And I'm also actually, I'm on a mainstream radio uh, program each week on a round table. And one of the things I try to bring to that is the idea of being curious. And it's, it's, I think I'm making, you know, that that small difference to get people to maybe step back and ask questions and not just jump on bandwagons. I'm usually the only nonpartisan person too involved with in that I don't have a strong, you know, I'm not part of a political party or a, a union or anything like that. So I, I usually come to the table with uh, a less partisan political uh, approach. So you worked at the Windsor Star. Mm -hmm. You did some great work there. Um, you've done some radio. What what else 
did you do in the past and how has your approach to journalism changed in the current environment? Well, I started out, yes, attended, I started in journalism in high school um, and got very involved and, and decided to go off to Carleton University. And I, I still remember I have a shirt that I just dug out of a trunk that said, uh, out to change the world on deadline. And I did believe when I was at school, you know, the idea of changing the world, part of changing the world is being that fifth estate, asking questions, challenging authority and challenging decisions, every decision would, that was being made. And then I went into journalism and had an interesting um, uh, uh, pattern, I guess, of uh, or path that I was taking because I actually was also very involved with, uh, I got involved with the union. I started out with the newspaper guild and got involved with the union. We joined the CAW and I became a bit of an advocate as well. Um, and at that time I was probably challenged a bit because I might've been considered too much on the left, even though when I look back, I really was just asking questions and challenging the status quo. And when you challenge the status quo, you know, at that time I was probably seen too left and now I'm being seen maybe at times as being right, which is fascinating to me because my views really haven't changed. Um, so that was, and then from there I, I went off to run a bed and breakfast and for a year and then I got, I was a fundraiser for a, a culture and recreation complex and then got hired in a, uh, in insurance and tech world and was a manager of advertising and promotions department and was there for 10 years and then now have my own business um, and now work mostly in manufacturing, specifically in mold making, but have clients in a few other areas. And I work in public relations where that's full circle back to, you know, being curious, asking questions and being able to encourage people to tell their stories. And that sort of fits into the curious minds idea because, you know, we should always be encouraging people to tell and share their stories in a way that's, um, you know, upfront and and maybe not everybody will like it but we should hear different views yeah and so your background in public relations apply that to what we've just seen with david menzies i i was actually going to put on the thumbnail for this program public relations disaster yes if this was planned at first when i thought if this was planned this was the worst public relations you know they could ever if, if this was from christopher freeland's office i could not think of a worse approach to pr um you know here's how if i was giving advice on how what as soon as this happened what i would have done is said okay krista what you need to do is say i'll sit down with him you know, do an apology and say, this was not meant to happen. Let's sit down. I'll answer your questions, you know? And, uh, mm -hmm. and then I think the RCMP needed to come out or that particular officer probably could have come out and said, listen, even the heat of the moment, I made a decision. It was, uh, an improper decision upon, and that's why we released them and my apologies. And then whatever, you know, I'll take my, uh, whatever hits on this and, uh, move along because what they did instead what's happened is this has been a public relation bonanza for rebel news mm -hmm. they're likely making so much money off this and it almost like i would think man they couldn't have planned this better if they had you know when something goes viral i mean this story has gone viral so yeah a fascinating study of pr um and and then for krista come out and say well I don't know about it, or I, that word at arm's length. And 
Well, it's your security detail, right? So uh, take ownership. I would, if just like when I managed a team, if one of my team members did something wrong, that's my responsibility and I have to fix it. I've covered the queen. I've covered presidents. I've covered Canadian prime ministers as you have and premiers. Canadian security is, has always been almost non-existent. You can't get near the president. You can't get near the queen, right? I covered the queen from way over there because yeah. you couldn't, you weren't allowed to get over there, right? You had all these rules. I had to get checked out by the RCMP before I was allowed to, to get within, you know, 50 miles of the queen. Um, what I'm seeing even today, especially in this political environment with all the polarization, the emotion, the anger, the pebble throwing, incident, all of this stuff, I am amazed that the RCMP is not surrounding Freeland and that mm -hmm. they are allowing Trudeau to still venture out into crowds of people where some are friendly and others are screaming at him red in the face and veins popping out of their foreheads with such anger. I can't believe they're allowing that to happen. Am I missing something here or... Like, what the heck is going on? Where is the RCMP in this anyway? Well, this is where I think there is a lack of strategy and a lack of, as you said, like that, you know, times have changed. Maybe before when when it was a different climate, you could do those things. And now we're in a climate where, wow, it's, they need to do things differently. I agree. And I think there's this belief that, um, and it's promoted too, that, well, I'm a man of the people, right? So someone like a Justin Trudeau is like, wants to believe that he can still go into a crowd. And yeah, I think it's, it's very short-sighted. And I think, you know, with, um, you have to make a decision that if you want people to approach you, you can't cherry pick that you can only have people that support you. So if Christian Phelan's walking by and she's okay with someone from one of mainstream media approaching her and asking her a nice question, okay, that's allowed, but you have someone asking a question you don't like, not allowed and i tell you consistency again if you don't have that you're going to get um people will call you out on it or we end up in these situations i agree with you i think the times they are changing and uh it it seems very strange that there's this uh i mean here she was our deputy prime minister just waltz along <laughs> Just down the sidewalk, public place. I see her wandering around in Ottawa, out on the street as well. You know, yeah. sometimes you'll see RCMP officers, but they're always kind of at a distance. They're just letting her stroll along. Ah, oh, I don't know, man. Um, I see what's going on in the States where we've had RFK Jr. approached. With, with people have broken into his house during, mm -hmm. now that he's campaigning. Um, I've been to Trump rallies, and you have to go through metal detectors, yeah. right? Uh I don't want to see anything tragic happen to any of these politicians. And I'm afraid that something might, because it just seems like security is almost non-existent. Or they're again, cherry picking when they're going to get aggressive. Right. And that's yeah. where I think things go off the rails again, because we have a situation here where it was, I mean, the thing is though, they know who he, who he is. This is no surprise. Like it wasn't that this was some, oh, we didn't know who he was. He was just some, I mean, he's very identifiable and, um, and there seems to be a history even between him and that particular officer, which yes, is strange, right. right? So, um, and it seemed to get very aggressive quickly. Mm -hmm. 
that is the most disturbing to me is that um that they they likely knew they could see this was going to happen and it was deliberate to get aggressive and that's what hurts the police because you know another approach and peter and i talked about this yesterday too in, in an interview is that even if they had bumped into each other, all I had to do was say, well, back off, you know, we're with our security, um, please stop. Then if he pushed him or anything, that's a little different. But once you say, hey, I'm an RCP officer and we are security and we need to stop you, right? Yeah. Communication. Um, I saw this too. I said that one police officer, apparently his nickname is the bouncer, which may be not the most... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, and I didn't know that it used to be that the history too, and and this is where things have changed police. They've made a lot of good changes because it used to be that they were only attracting people into police that were, you know, the big guys with the muscles. And now they're trying to bring more people in that have good communication skills. I've had dealings over the years for various reasons for stories that with police who have been very helpful, accommodating, um, so I don't have a real negative view towards police. But then other thing is I'm like, I think I'm not someone who's probably going to want to get in a police officer's face, right? Um, I would go a different route. Um, to me, you can get to what you need without um, doing that. But remember, Rebel News, that they were on brand yesterday. He was, that's what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Rightly or wrongly, uh, like I said, I'm not a big fan, but I also wouldn't want to get too judgmental about it either because I so did you have you ever approached a a politician or a a, you know an interview target in that manner yourself hmm um not not out like that where I would because I'm I would rather approach them to get what I need as opposed to just you know like the ambush method I'm trying to think I'll have to give that some thought whether I've done um i know the the court i mean at courthouses when people are running out and you've got you know people who don't want to be on camera and everybody's chasing after them right yes i have been on you know picket lines um well here's one story i'll share because this is one i've shared publicly when i was one back in the day when i was uh in reporting and but i was also involved with the union and we were supporting another group on a picket line and we were walking back and Forth, and this car came by and gunned through the line and sort of nicked my leg. So I kind of jumped out of the way, went down on the ground. And this other guy from one of another union <laughs> jumped on the back of the car with a baseball bat and broke his window, the back of his window, right? And the police came, they had to take, and I was like, oh my God, right? So they had to take a, um, a statement from myself. And this is where I think it was handled really well. He said, do you want to make... You know, I could have said, yes, he hit me and I'm going to make an, an issue out of it. Instead, I said, um, I think I'll let this go because he said he's got a pretty big uh, cost to fix that window. Right. And I thought, yeah, his he's already been punished. <laughs> and so what the police officer did was sort of he wasn't going to go after the guy that baseball bat and I wasn't going to pursue it. The issue was done. Sometimes that kind of problem solving can also be good. And I think the police officer handled it well. I didn't feel under any pressure, but I also felt like 
you know, be different if I was hurt. And it, this is what happens though, when things escalate and you have that type of tension happening. Yeah, it could have been worse. I mean, I could have actually been run over. I mean, there's all sorts of things that could have happened, right? So I think this is this is where things need to be de-escalated. And I think that's what the police are trying to do right now. But, and I think they were doing that in Ottawa until politics got involved. Yeah. I would agree with that too. Gail, is there anything else you'd like to add or think that I might be missing? No, I think uh, we covered a lot and I just hope people will, uh, yeah, you know, be more curious, ask more questions and not just always assume that you know, whatever they're reading, that little snippet of something, that headline, like dig a little deeper, step back, ask more questions. And how can people find your work? Well, the best way would be to just, you know, you could search Curious Minds and Gail Now on YouTube. You'll see my uh, various shows. And I just had another uh, uh, interview with Peter Menzies and the Calgary Herald publisher. If you want to hear a discussion a little bit more about uh, about this topic as well. Awesome. Gail Robertson, absolute pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks, Rick. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others. Out. Of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals. Individuals. Defenders of individual rights. And freedoms. Credible. Trusted. Grounded in reality. Maverick News. Maverick News. Defending free speech. Free speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. from Iraq. Explosions near a U.S. military base, possibly hitting a U.S. military base. Information still coming in. The Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps has already taken responsibility for these attacks saying it was targeting the headquarters of spies and anti-Iranian terrorist gatherings in parts of the region with ballistic missiles. Apparently, four people have been killed, six injured in this attack, according to the Kurdistan Regional Security Council. No coalition forces or American forces killed in this attack. U.S. officials are saying at this point that no U.S. Facility, facilities were impacted 
However, this is an ongoing developing story, and I think we need to wait for more information to come out before we even accept what uh, the United States officials are telling us with regard to the kind of damage that has been inflicted here. So we're getting more escalation. Now Iran launching an attack into Iraq. I'm old enough to remember the Iran-Iraq war. Anyway, you slice it, regardless of how you view it, the fact is all of this started October 7th. That's the truth. Now, you can go back. What I'm talking about is this immediate current chain of events, which has the potential to escalate into a full-blown third world war. It all started October 7th. The media spin, the, uh, the propaganda. It's been very effective. Israel has been losing that information war. A lot of mistakes made. And I think we're continuing to make those mistakes on all sides. Tonight we're seeing as well in Israel, right in Israel, another attack. This time it was a pro-Palestine, pro-Hamas attacker who stabbed a little old lady, stole her vehicle, and then ran over a bunch of people, at least 11. I'm seeing reports that the number of people injured or a number of people hit uh, might be as high as 17, but a half dozen kids run over. This was the scene immediately following the situation. See what else I can bring up here for you. We have a ground level video as well. Here it is. So this, you know, just very recent, this just happened. As I say, the person that did this stabbed an elderly woman to death. She died, stole her car, ran over. I've seen reports saying 11, others saying 17. And uh, as many as six to eight children were also run over while leaving school. 
So all that going down tonight as well. And we're seeing escalation in the Red Sea where another merchant vessel has been hit. This one was a U.S.-owned cargo ship targeted just off the coast of Yemen by those Houthis. And here's footage of that. Here we go. And we're seeing reports that this is beginning to have some impact now on the economy in North America. Supply chains being disrupted this these shipping channels in the red sea account for somewhere between 8 and 10% of all world trade global trade the united states uk hitting back over the last few days with attacks right into Yemen, airstrikes, limited, but they did happen. And the Houthis vowing to strike back, and now you're seeing that. You're seeing more escalation. Now you're seeing direct involvement with Iran into Iraq where the U.S. presence is, well, they're there in a limited way, but I don't know how welcome they are, truly. So the situation for the U.S. and in Iraq is fragile at best, I would say, because the, uh, the, mili the military's efforts there I think we're largely for nothing. And that's the sad reality of that. But you do have other spots in the Middle East where the U.S. is much more entrenched, namely in places like Saudi Arabia and, of course, in Israel. But this is escalating into something extremely... I mean, it's a dangerous situation, just got a whole lot more dangerous. And if you don't think this is, if you think that this is going to be isolated to the Middle East this time, think again. Have you seen the protests in the streets, the pro-Palestine protests all around the world this time? You think the oceans will insulate us? from this conflict if it continues to escalate, I can tell you right now, I'm pretty certain. I mean, I don't have any special intelligence or anything, but I'm pretty certain there are Russian submarines off the coast, probably of California, maybe sitting not too far from New York.
This is not the 1960s. This is the new reality. The Russians don't need missiles in Cuba. They're probably sitting out there right now. Welcome to the new reality. You want peace? Better start praying for it right now. Okay, so what else can I tell you about that car ramming attack? Well, I believe we have um, at least one person who was killed, the woman who was stabbed to death. We have uh, two Palestinians who have been arrested, detained. That woman who was stabbed apparently was taken to hospital in critical condition and then passed away afterward. Police in Israel calling it a multiple car ramming attack. And as I say, I'm seeing still a variety of reports coming out of there. Some saying as many as 11, others as many as 17 people injured in this car ramming right in Israel. Also, Hamas has now released new footage showing dead Israeli hostages. I'm not going to show it to you. But that's what they've done. They uh, actually ran this, uh, I think, on television. And um, they said it was that the footage was the bodies of two Israeli hostages. And Israel's military is saying that while it was examining the footage, there was they were concerned about the hostages' fate, obviously, since they're being reported as dead. So we are looking here at images of what appears to be 26-year-old Noah Argamani, who is a university student 
who was reading a script in front of a blank white wall. And uh, he said that fellow hostages, Atai Svrisky and Yasi Sharabi had been killed. And then the video ends with pictures that they say are the bodies of the the two other hostages who are supposed supposedly dead. Now, this hostage who was reading the script that was given to him indicates in the video that the two victims were killed by Israeli strikes. However, the Israeli Israeli officials are saying that that's not true. They're saying that um, that is a lie. They're saying that they were not shot by Israeli forces. And they're saying that the building in which they were held was not a target and it was not attacked by Israeli forces. They go on in a statement and say that Quote, we don't attack a place if we know there may be hostages inside, he said, adding that um, other areas around that building had, had been targeted. And the Israeli forces are continuing to examine these photos. And so this goes on and it continues to escalate and Hamas continues to hold hostages. Your people's views on that may vary. I think personally that that's unacceptable. And it's just leading to more and more escalation. So we're in, in, in a really serious, a very dangerous situation here. I've seen other online pundits, anti-Americans, saying that uh, the U.S. and U.K. just and the Allied forces have just made things worse by trying to keep those shipping channels, those merchant shipping channels open in the Red Sea. Yeah, well, it was the Houthis, it's been the Houthis launching attacks against um, merchant shipping vessels. So what are you supposed to do? Just roll over, give up, cede the territory. I guess so, if you believe that it's just a bunch of occupiers meddling. I suppose it depends on your point of view. But in Canada, I know that... Um, we're now seeing 
some effects from these shipping disruptions. Canadian uh, operators of vessels, um, well, people who rely on shipments in Canada coming from that area are starting to feel the effects. Um, we're seeing actual quantitative data coming in now from ports in Canada that show two-thirds of the 43 ships slated to put in at the port of Halifax in the second half of this month are now expected to arrive at least one day behind schedule with some running weeks behind schedule. Do you know what that means for industry in Canada and the United States? Our factories, most of them, especially in the auto industry, run on just-in-time schedules. That means everything is finely tuned. It was actually this; these practices were adopted largely starting back in the 1980s, based on Japanese efficiency models and production systems, so that parts for assembly lines arrive just in time so that warehousing costs are reduced or eliminated. Effectively, your inventory for your assembly operations is not warehoused anymore. It's actually warehoused in trucks and on ships. And it's all scheduled to arrive at just the right moment on the assembly line so that nothing is held in storage where it costs time and money and it requires additional logistics to make sure that things that are kept in storage then have to be delivered at a later time. You don't have to deal with any of that. It's all just in time. If you have ships arriving days or weeks late and their arrival times are now no longer predictable, that disrupts the entire supply chain. That can result in huge costs to a variety of industries and the economy in general. So look for increased prices down the road at your supermarket, your car dealerships, everywhere for everything. And that includes oil because all of this unrest in the Middle East will result in inevitably higher oil prices, especially when we're seeing this dispute spill over into the confiscation of oil tankers. But these online pundits that I've been watching over the last 24 hours who are saying they've just made things worse by trying to keep those shipping lanes open. Well, whose side are you on? I'm on the side of the people and I'm on the side of trying to keep things on an even keel. Pretty clear to me that somebody wants war, and I'm not so sure, frankly, folks, that it's, in this particular case, the United States or the UK or the allied countries. 
because the escalation honestly does not seem to be coming from this side. Keep in mind that the Houthi rebels were warned repeatedly. They were told, stop attacking the ships or we're going to hit you back. Stop, stop, stop. Please stop, stop, stop. And they didn't stop. They kept it coming. Now, I think it's kind of a trap, honestly, to escalate in this way. So in that way, they have kind of made things worse by keeping the shipping lanes open. I think that maybe there could be some alternative strategies that could be used. But it's a very delicate and complicated situation. But I'm not, I wasn't born yesterday. I'm not that naive. Sometimes I get duped like everybody else. But the wool is coming off these eyes. I'll be right back. is watching. That's going on, you know, immigration still continues to be an issue here. You're seeing all these pro-Palestinian protests. You're seeing, you know, everything is so unstable. There's such polarization and unrest in the streets. And here's this story out of ABC News tonight. Just look at this. After unprecedented border crossings, a record 3 million cases clogged U.S. immigration courts. How the heck do you get through all that? Wow. Immigration courts are buckling under an unprecedented 3 million pending cases, most of them newly arrived asylum seekers. 
I don't really need to tell you anymore, do I? I mean, we all know what's going on. Talk about a backlog, that's an understatement. Crazy stuff, man. Um, I told you, I told you, I told you, I told you. Everything was going to get worse. Everything's going to escalate. Is just the beginning. And we're still on chapter one of this new book that is being written called World War Three. Make no mistake. Now for something just a little more normal. In the face of, I mean, how much weirder could it get? Have you been watching the situation in Ecuador? They have this ongoing bits of war between the current government and drug cartels. So over the past week, there has been, well, unrest to say the least. We saw footage of these, I'll call them drug cartel rebels or revolutionaries, armed, attacking a number of places. And they went right into a television station, live on the air, held guns to people's heads. So that was scary enough. But have you seen the bizarre stuff coming out of Ecuador? Well, this is, I mean, talk about you, you think you're living in a movie. Ah, ah, this is like, this is Batman Joker, okay? These guys are part of it. Like, I, I'm not joking. I thought this might be like fake or staged or something, but this actually has come out. Has it, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, but over the last number of days, this footage has been coming out of these guys dressed up like Batman and another guy dressed up like the Joker. They're actually working together, even though I guess in real life or comic life, <laughs> they would be mortal enemies. These guys are armed and they're going around. They've been going around terrorizing people as part of this conflict. And here's uh, here's an elevated shot of Batman in action in Ecuador as part of this revolution. Somebody added some music to this particular footage. Like this guy's got guns. Okay. Like he's actually got guns and he, this is what he's doing. Now, I thought I thought maybe this is a good commercial there for KFC with their sign. Yeah, there he is. The, the caped crusader out terrorizing the people of Ecuador. And uh, but this is the this is the video that you gotta see, okay? This this here, um, a guy from one of the television stations went out and found these guys and bravely walked up to them, camera rolling, and and look what we got out of that. 
moto es lo que llamó la atención. Vaya, 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 señor José Delgado. Tanto tiempo sin verlo. ¿Se acuerda de mí? ¿O no se acuerda de los pobres? Aquí he venido con un Batman de papotilla. Porque el verdadero héroe es uno mismo. Now you tell me, are those guns real or is this like some BS? Are those those toys? Like what is this? Because I'm, they, I, you know, they're they're portraying this as being like the real deal. I don't know about those guns though. Like I don't know if those are real, man. You know, if you go to Vegas or uh, any touristy area, you're likely to run into people dressed like that. And, uh, you know, they'll pose for pictures with you. But I guess those guys are threatening to blow people's heads off. I don't know. Anybody else? I'm going to look in the comments here. Does anybody know what's really going on with that? Yeah. Andre says that's the new normal. That's as normal as it seems to get. You know, when you want to talk about normal, is it normal for human beings to want to blow each other up? I mean, they, maybe that is the normal state of the human condition. It seems to me that the truly insane people are the ones running the planet. You know, the ones in charge because they have these insanely powerful weapons. And they want to kill each other. And they're doing it. And they're getting us involved. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Highway Frog says, where the heck is Spider-Man? Yeah, well, you, where is he when you need him? Kim R.S. says, yes, it is. Joker. That's it, it, it's, it's getting really bad when that's the most normal thing that I've seen all day. When you really think about it, that's almost more, that's kind of more normal than people launching missiles at each other, trying to kill one another. That is insane. But that's what human beings do. And that people have always done that. And isn't that unfortunate? So I don't know. I'm going to check on something, take a quick break, come back. Got lots more. So don't go. Exile. The Knights of Malta. Maverick News. Join us. The world is watching. The New World Order. Government overreach. The Great Reset. Mainstream media lies. Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com. That's 
freedomreporters.com. Maverick News. The Antivirus Program. For your mind. Okay, so I do not know, folks, exactly. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going to leave the Joker and Batman thing over there. Those guns didn't look real to me, but there are all these reports out there that saying that they're going around threatening people in the Civil War. I can tell you tonight, though, that um, we are seeing... Things settling down a bit in Ecuador. The uh, the government has now declared control over the prisons there where there was unrest. They've freed some hostages after getting control over a lot of the areas where they've been at war with these drug cartels. And they did declare like an all-out war on each other over the past week. And there were riots in the jails. The government taking control again. So we'll see where it goes. I don't think it's over yet. I would say this, if you're planning on going somewhere for a vacation... I wouldn't choose Ecuador right now. The government there deployed over 22,000 security forces in order to deal with this uprising. And it's not over. It's just that things are calming down a bit and they've made a lot of arrests. So keep your eyes peeled. More to come there. Now, we have footage of something falling out of the sky over Kamloops, B.C. tonight or earlier today. Not clear what it is. Jamie's sending this footage into us. And the word that we're getting here from Jamie is that it looked like an airliner at first with a trail behind it. Then the smoke turned black and went straight down to the ground in seconds. And it isn't clear if it's anything we should be concerned about, but I'll show you the footage because it is uh, strange. This is, I think, worth at least taking a look at. I would think that a lot of people have probably seen this. 
see the uh, the dark streak there that looks very authentic to me this does not look uh, to me in my professional opinion as a professional photographer and videographer and uh, post-production master <laughs> that does not look doctored to me at all that looks very authentic uh, there is additional and another shot hard to tell if that is you know it could just be a smoke trail of some kind but i'm not sure that there was an impact or an explosion on the other side of the horizon here's footage of it so i would say if anybody knows anything more about that message in let us know what's going on but tonight we have the stills and the video but we don't really know what it was that doesn't look like a vapor trail that looks like smoke to me and a lot of it but i cannot say with any certainty so just a little strange breaking news there for you tonight pull that down sorry folks pull that off wow man like the world is literally on fire tonight there is so much going on crazy days you know and there in ecuador it's you know they had like over 100 prison guards being held at the height of that unrest and they're still trying to get things under control and also tonight well, earlier today, there's a guy, <clears throat> this is going to maybe make some people's heads blow up. This is a case we told you about months ago. Today, Brian Perret, 37 years old, from Shibugamau, Quebec, faced 16 separate charges related to wildfire arsons. Today, something you probably won't be seeing on too much of uh, mainstream media, in particular, I would say the CBC, he pled guilty. So this is the dude. Let me get you a picture here. I have a photo of him, I believe it. Or no, actually, this isn't a picture of him. Well, it is. In the upper right-hand corner, you can see that this is an old post on social media. And what he was doing, as we understand it, is he was going around setting these fires and then telling people it was all, it was the government that was doing it. Do you remember back in the summer when I was trying to tell everybody that it 
wasn't the government. It was highly unlikely that it was the government because the government had no reason to be doing it because it made the government look bad. And that in some cases it was arson because statistically that is always the case. And we there was speculation at the time. Well, who would be out there setting these fires? Well, some speculation that it could be some people setting them so that they could get jobs as firefighters, fighting the wildfires. That has happened in the past. Others were speculating it could be climate change activists who were setting the, the fires to help further the narrative of climate change. Well, in this particular case, this is a guy who was setting the fires so he could blame the government for setting the fires and pled guilty in court today to 16 separate charges. Don't shoot the messenger, man. I'm just telling you. If that makes you upset, I can't help it. But here's his uh, social media post again. One of them, one of many. Where he says, this is happening in Canada. Pulls when I say climate change doesn't exist, but being invented and manufactured by our governments and their elite of the United Nations World Economic Forum and the ohms for their 2030 New World Order tabernacle. Um, yeah. So you know where his mindset is, and you know where he's at, and I don't really think that the climate change thing is... Uh, Is what the government tells us it tells us it is either, but I don't go around setting wildfires and then blaming it on the government to try and make them look bad or to scare people or to get people jacked up so that they engage in other activities or whatever the motivation might be. I don't get into that and I'm not gonna, you know, just telling you the truth, man. Just telling you the truth. And there's there's an absolute hardcore fact factual information for you straight out of a court where the guy doing it admitted to doing it and now you know so beware of those who point fingers and blame people for doing the very thing that they're doing and isn't that what governments often do too flip things upside down Hang on here. I'm just uh, checking in on another message with regard to this situation out in BC. Just, uh, let me take a, just let me dip out of this for a moment. I need to check this information. I'll be right back. Hello, world. Are you awake? Uniting humankind by liberating millions of minds at a time. Maverick News. The world is watching. Okay, I need just a moment to check some information out of BC. Again, working on this story as it develops to see what the heck that thing was in the sky. 
and we're getting now reports of traffic jams in the area. So it looks like there's something going on. Stay with me. is watching no don't have any new uh, new info for you i can tell you though that it's really cold out there as it is in many places across canada and the united states tonight severe weather warnings in effect extreme temperatures and for the fourth day in a row problems with the energy grid in alberta i don't know if that doesn't make people wake up and begin to realize that these green energy plans, if it doesn't make you realize that we're on a path to self-destruction, I don't know what else is gonna, what else is gonna take to wake people up. People are on the verge of freezing in the dark, literally out in Alberta, an oil-rich province. Four days in a row now, where the temperature has dipped down as low as minus 50 degrees Celsius. Minus 50. <sighs> yeah. Well, they, well, we stand above oceans of oil. And we're told we're not allowed to extract it to heat homes. Something seriously wrong in paradise. What else we got going on here? Let me see. So, yeah, I checked in with police there to see if there was any information. There was nothing as of yet on that situation out in Kamloops, but we'll continue to follow that for you tonight. We're going to continue to follow the situation in uh, Iraq as well. Where Iran has fired missiles at what they're calling terrorists and spies in Iraq and Syria. It was an attack in Syria as well. I believe right in Aleppo. So we are seeing escalation. The question now is what will the US, the UK and allies do? How will 
they respond? Will they respond? Will we respond? That is really the question. Now, I want to kind of check in to see what's going on with uh, the situation in Iowa, where I understand Trump could set records, set a record anyway, in terms of support as his rivals <laughs> pull up the rear and try to come in second. So we know that uh, we're looking, what are we looking at here? We're kind of into, into the nitty gritty of it now because it's after 7 p.m. And, uh, you know, I know Ron DeSantis today in interviews was trying to put a brave face on saying a lot of people still haven't made up their minds, but it looks like Trump will walk away with at least half for himself. And then the rest will get split up among the other hopefuls, namely Nikki Haley and DeSantis. It looks like they're polling in. They were polling in prior to this at about 20% for Nikki Haley and 16% for Ron DeSantis. Donald Trump, 48%. And then, you know, the rest is split up. And... Uh, You still have um, Vivek Ramaswamy in there trying to, I'd say, minimize the damage from his comments, particularly to that, that woman the other night. We ran that video where he's, he's telling the woman, if you, vote, if you vote for Trump, you're sending him to his own demise because the deep state, the establishment, they're not going to let him anywhere near that White House. So if you want to save Trump, you have to vote for me. This after he went on and on and on for so long about how he loves Trump and Trump was the best president ever. And it looked like he was positioning himself maybe to be as Trump's VP or his running mate. Couldn't quite figure it out, saying a lot of things that I really liked, but now Trump came out, attacked him and said that he is deceptive. He's a deceiver saying that Vivek Ramaswamy is actually working for the other side. That was the accusation from Trump telling people don't vote for that guy. Don't trust him. I told you I, I, there was something else going on. I couldn't put my finger on it. And, uh, you know, there's, I knew there was something happening with him that just didn't feel right. Even though he came out and said, you know, if they don't let Trump on the ballot in this state or that state or whatever state, I will, I'm going to take my name off the ballot. And I thought, well, that's pretty bold and maybe admirable, but something didn't smell right. It didn't feel right. Uh, something's just not sitting right. And now we're seeing that this guy who comes from a background in finance and biotechnology has ties to the pharmaceutical industry. 
I knew that from before. It looks like maybe he uh, he's a, some sort of a Trojan horse, maybe. At least that's the accusation. You, you know, judge people by their actions as well as their words, I guess, when they're politicians. You never know what they're going to do if they're, you know, lying to you until they're in office and they have the power. And then what do they do? But in the heat of this moment, I don't know where you where you how you deal with somebody like Vivek Ramaswamy. I know over at Infowars, Alex Jones has been very supportive of Vivek Ramaswamy, as well as Trump has said very, very favorable things about Vivek Ramaswamy and has given him a lot of airtime exposure on the InfoWars program, uh, including today, where Vivek was invited on to InfoWars or allowed to come on and explain his position on Trump to, to elaborate on it. And um, I'm just going to run you the clip of what Vivek Ramaswamy had to say during his call-in with Mr. Jones. Hang on here. What happened? I lost the clip. Yeah, it's not letting me. Uh, I got to cue it the other way. Okay, hang on. We'll have to do it this way. I've got her queued up. And I'll have to play it this way because of the way the screen lays out. Which you don't understand because you're not sitting here in the studio, but I've got her for you now. Here we go. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to make it as clear as I can as of today, Alex. I'm not God and I can't tell you what exactly is going to play out. But the plot is hiding in plain sight where the people who are funding the suits against Trump and funding the efforts against Trump are also propping up Haley. They want to make it Trump versus Haley and then eliminate Trump. And the way they can't do that is if there is actually another America first patriot in the race. It's hard to eliminate two. You can. And they don't have on me right now what they have on him. And I think that it's harder to go after two targets than it is to go after one. If you try to hit two targets with one arrow, they're going to miss on both. And so that's the real answer is we have to make sure America first goes to the next level. And so I think it would be foolish for us to try to fall straight into that trap by having, you know, the people who are calling on me to support Trump. No, I'm supporting actual our America first movement by making sure that they don't go with the plot that they have planned. I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> he said a lot of favorable things about Trump. Now he's like, I'm not really supporting Trump. I'm just supporting the American First Movement. Well, Trump's put it all on the line. That's for sure. Now he's under attack. And I think what the people who support Trump want, what MAGA wants, what his base wants, what the the patriot movement, if you will, wants, the MAGA movement, the America First movement, I think the people who support all that, what they really want is they want some support for Donald Trump and the J6ers and others who have suffered, put it all on the line. And uh, I can certainly understand that. Hang on here. Let me just dip back in over here and see what this messaging is coming in. 
Yeah, getting word here now from Jamie that the uh, the traffic jam is not related to that streak of smoke in the sky. The traffic jam is a the result of a car accident on a highway there um, in the area, but does not appear to be related to that streak of smoke in the sky. So I don't know. It's maybe nothing. It could just be a vapor trail or it could be... Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a giant asteroid plunging to Earth and uh, disintegrating in broad daylight. Could be something like that. Who knows? We'll try and find out. If we find out, we'll find we'll find out. At this point, with no other information coming in, I'm inclined to think that it's probably not that serious. Sometimes, you know, you see things that look unusual and seem to be maybe something serious. And then in the end, it's really nothing. It's just maybe something a little out of the ordinary and nothing to worry about. But if it is something to worry about, it will, we will find out. We will, it, it'll come out and we'll share the information with you in real time, if possible, right here on the program. So still following that. And thank you, Jamie, for keeping us up to date on that. Really appreciate it. What else do we have here tonight? We have, yeah, still back in Iowa. So I don't know. I don't know. That's the bottom. I don't know where, I don't know where we're going to end up with these uh, Iowa caucuses tonight. But it's obviously... Yeah, so here's uh, here's more footage from Jamie, who uh, I might as well show you a little bit on the local side of, uh, of things. But uh, it just shows you that this traffic jam is not actually related specifically to that streak of smoke in the sky. This is the traffic accident that's causing the traffic jam. Just to understand. And it's getting darker. Thank you for sending that in, Jamie. So let me again take a very short one. Be right back after this. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow, maybe too late. Too late, too late, too late. Maverick News. The world is watching.
Fighting the Great Reset by leading the Great Great Resistance. Maverick News The antivirus programs for your mind Okay, so we're coming up on the top of the hour here So you know what I'm going to do? We're going to go to the phones And we'll keep an eye on these developing stories tonight While we chat with each other So let me just... Uh, Again, run a little of this and a little of that while I get everything set up. And then you guys can join the conversation. Knights of Malta. Maverick News. Join us. The world is watching. All right. Still working on getting everything set up, but I will run this so you know what number to phone. Here we go. Join the conversation. Call 1-833-975-3733. That's 1-833-975-FREE. Speak up. Speak out. Make your voice heard. Maverick News. Fighting for freedom by defending your right to free speech. Be a Maverick. Join us. like we're set up and ready to rock and roll with the phones so here we go over here and there we go over there 
and I'm clicking on things that you can't see, but it makes sense to me what I'm saying, even though you probably think I'm insane and just talking to myself. But there we go. We're up on the screen. The number to call, 1-833-975-3733 to join the conversation. And we have our first caller on the line. Go ahead. You're on the air. You got the balls of a salt, a man without a plan to master all your disasters, and you are insane in the membrane, Rick. <laughs> no doubt about that, my friend. How are you this evening? As for the, I'm all right. As for the York Regional Police, they're dog shit. They always have been. Okay, okay. crooked as hell. <laughs> and I got a story about the York Regional Police. Okay. I forget. I think it was in 94. I'm in uh, Canada's Wonderland, me and my buddy. And uh, we ate some magic mushrooms. Okay. Well, we ate all the magic mushrooms. I bought burgers. They were $12. Back then, $12.50 a burger. So I loaded up with mushrooms and I ate it. And I was like, shit, I'm high. I'm going to smoke a joint. I only had one joint. I had no mushrooms. One joint. Well, I fire it up. And I'm smoking it on a hill. And all of a sudden from behind, this hand comes down and grabs the joint right out of my hand. So I'm like, fuck, give it back. The fuck do you think you are, right? I'm ready to fight him. And uh, pulls out a badge. It's uh, York Regional Police. Well, we just want to kick you out of the park. Okay, whatever. So I go down and they take me into a room. Well, there's a makeshift police station down there at Canada's Wonderland. So I got to go on every fucking ride. And then they got cells, right? So they threw me in a cell, and I'm going fuck all over a fucking joint, right? Well, next thing you know, I'm in a cop car, and they're driving me through Richmond Hill, and they're talking about some unsolved breaking enters. I listen, I've never been to Richmond Hill in my life, right? And they're, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Next thing you know, four days later, it was a long weekend, I get in front of a judge over three quarters of a joint, Rick. Okay, they kept me in jail for, for the for the whole long weekend, and I was like, "Wow!" So I don't trust them creeps. Period. Never will. I don't trust any of them. Why are we talking about this? You know, was Was there a story that I ran that triggered this? Yeah, David Menzies. Oh, right, right, right. David okay. Menzies. Okay, sorry. Of okay. course. <laughs> Got right. So that you know, yeah, the first story of them all. See, I listen sometimes. <laughs> I'm not just in the chat. There's another pretty face, but I do listen sometimes. But the David Menzies mm. story, okay, and the if it would have happened in a dark alley with no cameras, they would have beat up on that old man. That's the moral to the story. Okay, now I understand and, what the connection it, is. Okay, <laughs> I just right, and you know, I think it was like this was <laughs> like how many years ago, and you're just telling it, you're just venting now. I'm like, what the hell is he talking? But now I get it. Okay. Sorry. That's that's my experience with the York Regional Police. Now, not all police forces are like that. Vancouver is probably one of the uh, politest police forces I've ever seen in my life. Well, keep in mind, right? though, that it was actually the RCMP officer that affected the arrest. And it was a York yeah, Regional but, Police officer, I believe, right. who was telling Menzies, you know, you don't have to say anything, man. And when I was looking into that guy's eyes, I'm thinking, that guy knows this is all bogus. And he's not comfortable with it, but um, you know, more well, the back to play is just as guilty. 
Mm-hmm. Right? The back to play is just as guilty. Uh, when you had the ex-cop on the other night from Ottawa police, you know, the people, the, the trust of the police has eroded. Sure has. Now, yeah. it's more than just one bad apple on the police force. You know, they, they still abide. They have their goon squads, okay? And they mm-hmm. call them the goon squads. These guys are steroid monkeys, okay? Uh, and their job is to go in and bust heads when they need them. That's their fucking job. And they're paid for it, right? So you see the, the word weaponizing of the police, using the police as a weapon. That's been going on forever, buddy. Yeah. Yep. You know? yeah, I understand. And they want to take away all the guns. Well, a lot of people aren't giving up their guns. You got a bunch. You got a bunch of brutal people in this world, man. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not saying all cops are brutal, but I don't trust any of them. So I, I wouldn't trust any of them. You know, everything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law for a reason. So you don't say shit. Right. Menzies is lucky. He's got the camera behind him and uh, the camera don't lie. You know, the, and for them to say they didn't know who he was, okay, that's a lie. Everybody mm-hmm. knows who he is. Right? So yeah. they can't use that as a defense. He's going to get paid the ski mask way. And by rights, uh, he should. His, his rights, his charter rights were violated. Mm. And we got a government here that don't, that don't give a shit about the charter rights on anything by the looks of it. Mm. Freedom to mm. protest, freedom of journalism, none, none of it. Speaking of rights, right. uh, one of the coots four was back in court today and denied bail again. It's been over 700 and, 720 days, I think, in total so far without bail. Now, the, the reports that we've heard repeated saying that these four people have never been charged with anything, that's not accurate. They have been charged with conspiracy to commit murder, accused of planning to kill police officers. What the evidence is surrounding that, I don't know, because there is a publication ban in place. So that information, any evidence presented during these bail hearings cannot be released at this point. We won't, we will eventually find out what that evidence is when it actually goes to trial. But this is taking a very long time to get to trial. And these guys again uh, denied bail today. So, you know, I don't think that looks good. And a lot of people are still upset about it. But I don't know. We don't know what the circumstances are pertaining to this case, specifically as it relates to the evidence. So I can't give you an honest assessment of whether I think it's fair or it isn't because I just don't have enough facts. Well, I can give you an honest assessment and you could probably look it up on your computer about the Jordan ruling. Okay. And the Jordan ruling in that Jordan ruling, the prosecution has so much time to come up. Okay. To take this to trial. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's only, I think it's a matter of 36 months. So, Whoever the lawyers are, I don't know why they didn't file an application for the Jordan ruling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they didn't, and I don't know why it's not being contested. But 700-something days, it sounds like there's two Michaels here, but there's four of them. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I think it's excessive, but again, like I'm, until I have real facts, I, I'm always reluctant to provide an opinion. I, I just don't have enough to to know what the heck's really going on i i think that 700 days is 
not only unusual, but probably excessive. But I don't know what the deal is because we're not allowed to know at this point. Okay, so here you go. This is how the system works. Okay, they're in uh, pre-trial, a waiting trial someday to get a trial. Okay, and while you wait, the jails are so congested that a judge gives two for one, sometimes three for one on your time served. So if they're there yep. for 700 days, the two for one is 1,400-something days. Now, conspiracy to murder, the murder hasn't taken place, even if it was conspiracy to murder, what they're saying, right? Mm-hmm. It would be time served <laughs> in this country. I know manslaughter, second-degree murder, okay, guys? They, they'll sit there for four years in court and get two for one, and uh, it turns into eight years. And they only do four because they sat in, in uh, pretrial the whole time, yeah. right, awaiting trial. You see it all the time, right? So something don't smell right about the Coots boys at all. Yeah, well, I mean, conspiracy to commit murder could bring with it a life sentence. So I don't know. Yeah. So so can mar- marijuana could bring it up to 18 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? Uh, proceeds of crime is another one. You get up to 14 years for proceeds of crime. Now, nobody gets 14 years for proceeds of crime, and not too many mm-hmm. people get uh, uh, it was 18 years for cannabis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are the, that's the limit. Right. Oh, the, yeah. That, I, by I, the, uh, by, I think your assessment is probably pretty accurate. You know, they'll keep them incarcerated and, and they get. <laughs> the equivalent of, you know, time served. And then regardless of what the outcome of the trial is, they've done the time that the crown wants them to, to serve with, you know, so they, right. they get punished no matter what guilty until proven. It found guilty. That's probably true. And then there's also the dealing aspect of it, right? Uh, let's uh, plea bargain uh, time served uh, here and slap on the rest fucking uh, whatever. Right. Yeah. Because I've already done the time. Uh, so they're trying to be well, they're not going to plea bargain shit. If they got 700 and something days already invested, you might as well go for the gusto. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's, that's it's going to be, the, it's going to be the next, right. It's going to be the next government that takes, uh, that takes effect that'll take the case and fucking dismiss it. If anything, because I think it's a bunch of bullshit. I haven't seen the evidence. I've heard the evidence. Well, actually I did see the evidence. I seen the vests, uh, that, uh, that the Agalon <laughs> vest and, mm. and the uh, everything mm. else that was that was there in uh, in their showpiece, the RCMP were showing. This is what we found. But you know what? Do you believe them? I don't know what to believe because I just haven't seen it all, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know what to believe. I really don't. You know, they should. They the police have those things called cameras. Okay. Now, did they activate the camera the whole time while they were doing it? Was the camera shut off? Okay, uh, that's what I want to know. Well, I think a lot of this is based on the evidence. I think a lot of this is based on the activities of undercover officers who were um, kind of embedded with that group of the accused. So I think that's where a lot of the evidence is coming from that we're not being. Um, allowed to know at this point what it is. We'll find out what it is eventually, but not right now. Well, police don't lie. We all know that, <laughs> right? Okay. I no, can tell you another right. story. I was I was bust I was busted for an ounce of pot, and yeah. the police used the cop. They said that I sold a 
directly to a cop when they busted my place. They got one ounce of marijuana and five dollars. Mm-hmm. I never see. And when it went to court, the cop took the stand. I've never seen this fucking guy in my life. His name was Officer Camelli of the fucking Windsor Drug Squad. I'll never forget the name. I've never seen this guy in my life. Okay, so they mm-hmm. they lie, they bullshit, they fabricate, they plant, they redact. I've seen it all. You know, that's why they can't be trusted, and I'll never trust them, period. Because I've seen the, the shitty games they play. They watch you. They're going to get you some way, somehow, even if they have to plant the, plant the dead body on you. You know, and it all comes down to dollars and cents. What's it costing the cooch boys in court costs? You know, they're trying to drain them so that they don't have any more money. Once the money rolls out, the lawyers run too. Well, there's certainly a political element. There's definitely the political element to this case. So, yeah, 100%. 100%. So, you know, I could comment on the uh, the Houthis and the whoever they are there. You know, Iran's on the list. Who knows what's really going on there, too? Could be a false flag in Iraq. No, no, Iran Iran did it. (laughs) They did it. If the the Iranians are coming out and saying it, okay, then it's true. Yep, they they did. They've already claimed it. Yep, and this that makes it even more dangerous because now they're sticking a poking a finger in the in the eye of the U.S. and uh, and they're. I'm telling you, man, the whole thing is a trap. It's they 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 want this. They want the war. This is just escalation, escalation. It's like, come on, U.S. Come on, UK. Come on, you guys. Let's right over here. Come to, come on over here. They're sucking us in, man. Yeah, come to Papa. Yep. Come to Papa. And, I, and from what I'm hearing, I hear the Russians are on the Alaskan border. Mm. They also share that border, right? But they're 50 miles from the Alaskan border playing games. So, yep. who knows? Maybe it's World War Three after all. Get your combat boots on. Well, I'd like if World War Three breaks out, I might just have to go on vacation for a while. I'd like to avoid it. And where, and where would you go? Uh, somewhere really far away, away from any strategic target that might get nuked. That would be a good place to go. Someplace that Ecuador would be nice, but you, you Ecuador would be nice, but you got Crackman and uh, the Smoker. <laughs> running around town with the Mossboro pump and whatever. Uh, what the hell is that? Is that freaking weird? I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. You know what? That guy, he, he, he looked just like the Joker. Yeah. Yeah, they they were pretty convincing. Those, As much as I've seen the reports saying that those guns were real, they don't look real to me. They didn't look real to me. No, they they weren't real. If you're running around town with 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 real guns, I don't care if you're in Ecuador or Toronto, you're you're gonna get plugged. Yeah, I would think so. Right. So. Yeah. Anyway, very That's entertaining stuff, do. to say the least. That's all it was. Rick was entertainment. I think so. Right. Yeah. Great entertainment. No. <laughs> I could see Santa Claus out there. I could see Santa Claus out there in a suit. <laughs> Well, now now we know, confirmed, we are living in a movie. Yeah, well, it's all entertainment. Look at it, right? So, I um, sort of like the, uh, sort of like a football game. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we better move on here, yards. I guess, Leo. Got, uh, got Adios, Rick. Up. Thank you, sir. Do you have a good night? Bye-bye. And uh, let's move on here to the next call on the list. Hello. Go ahead. You're on the air. Hello. How are you tonight? Probably warmer than you are, Chris, out there in Alberta. What's the temperature tonight? Well, actually, it was minus 21 today, but the wind chill is still around 35, 36. So it, it's actually it's actually the sun was out today, and it had a kick to it. So it, it's uh, it's breaking up. I think tomorrow we should we should be on the way. Like next week, they're saying minus seven temperatures. So mm. the balmy it's, minus it's, 21. But, you know what I mean? Oh. Yeah, yeah. You know, after minus fifty-one, yeah, it is balmy. <laughs> but you know, there's still people that are having problems. Um, you know, with their batteries. Uh, I guess Canadian Tire sold some more today. And you yeah. know, the trouble is, is that you're getting seniors because we have a lot of seniors where I live, and they're going to get batteries. And then, okay, we'll sell you the battery, but we won't put it in for you. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I always thought Canadian Tire or anywhere that you bought a battery, like a dealership puts it in for you like i i'm not getting what why they're not doing that for people because I, I i've heard people today well i got this battery but i can't get it put in because i'm waiting for so and so and so and so and <laughs> it's crazy i don't know um i mean if it's a garage they usually would offer the service they sometimes charge you a fee to do it on top of the cost, right? And we have a mechanic at this. We have a we have mechanics at this at this Canadian Tire, so it's not like it's just a store, right? So I don't know. I always, I I mean, I know if it used to be if you bought tires from Canadian Tire that they would install them. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't I, know. Maybe they changed the policy, and they just refuse. They won't make appointments to install yeah, the battery of the mechanic. No. No, he said they say they don't have time because they've sold uh, so many batteries now. You know what? It sounds like I don't know. I, a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, they're just finding other people to put them in. I mean, yeah, what else can well, they do, right? That's because they they don't really make like any money installing batteries. It's a little bit time to like. No. Yeah, they at at shop <laughs> rates of about a hundred dollars an hour. They they don't really like to do it. I know that. No. And then, you know, the thing is, is that you get people, okay, well, we'll, so we'll take out your old battery. Well, you know, people have had their batteries in there forever. Sometimes you're going to get corroded, you know, the cables up top and then with the cold, they could break and then you end up going back and getting the cables. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, you know how, you know how one thing leads to another on a car, right? Oh, like yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just one thing after. Did I hear you say that the Coots boys didn't, didn't, uh, they're still kept in. Is that what I just heard you say? Yeah, there was, uh, there was one of the guys in, in court today, as I understand it, um, for part of a bail hearing. And, uh, so, so far still oh. no bail for any of them. Oh, well, yeah, it's been well over 700 days, but you know, um, I, I, this is my opinion. I don't, I don't know if it's true or not, but, there could be a reason for that because January the 27th, there is a big fundraiser and there's going to be a huge convoy going to Coots 
going around and around and around, carrying on, and they're going to drive by the courthouse again in Lethbridge. And, you know, I have to kind of wonder if sometimes all this uh, attention that they're getting is actually doing them more harm than good. In a way, you might be right about that <laughs> because it, it does, it, it, um, there's a political aspect to it. The more attention is drawn to the case that way, the more uncomfortable the government becomes and the more uncomfortable the court becomes because they don't want to likely give these guys profile or give them the opportunity to have profile if they're concerned about something. I just don't know. You know, like mm -hmm. it, it's yeah, easy. I don't know either. It's just, just an opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's just easy in a situation like this to just pick a side. Uh, but yeah. until I've got real information, real evidence, one way or another, I'm inclined to just sit back and wait and try and find out. And and then when I have all the information, then I can determine whether they were treated fairly, unfairly, if what has been going on was appropriate or not. And and then have form a full opinion on yeah. it. I'm just reluctant to just come out half cocked yeah, yeah. on something without well, I, real again. info. Oh, it was just, just my opinion, just a thought I had. I mean, yeah. it mean I had nothing to do with it. Other than that, or they just still don't have all the evidence in front of them to proceed on. I think they probably have it, the it's evidence. It's just that, um, you know, when they, the way it's supposed to work is that the judges routinely impose publication bans on evidence almost regardless of what the case is these days. It, it drove me crazy as a reporter as they became more restrictive on the release of evidence during pretrial hearings and, and bail right. hearings. It drove me nuts. But I understand why. It's because if they they have to use a jury, for instance, they don't want to prejudice a jury by letting too much evidence out into the public in advance because you need a jury to be impartial, right, and not be exposed right, to too right. much information, if any. Uh, prior to a trial, which could prejudice them when they when they have to sit right. on the jury. So it can make it very difficult to find an unbiased jury if that evidence gets out into the public and can then taint or contaminate um, a juror's opinion. Then they would be disqualified as a juror. Right. They may, might even need to move the trial to another, another community, another jurisdiction. So it can be problematic, especially right. in a case like this. They could receive, you know, national attention, you don't want well, yeah. that stuff going out across the country. Then it can be very difficult to find uh, someone to sit on a jury who hasn't been exposed to that information in a prejudicial way. So I get it. It's uh, it's. Part I mean, of the I'm sure eventually they're going to they're going to get their trial eventually. It's just, but you know, the thing is, they're not even in a jail. They're just sitting in remand centers still. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, they haven't even got into jails yet. Yeah, the length <laughs> you know, of time um, it's and I taking. Know that it does seem very inappropriate. Um, it does. You know, I, I don't think that that is, is probably not right. But again, nope. let's just sit and back. I'm just going to sit back and wait and see that, what information we get. That's, that's all, basically all we can do. And Leo, I got to agree with you on the police. I have lost tr trust in them myself um, and faith in them. I mean, that video you showed yesterday when I called in with those cops taking down those homeless people mm. and the force they were using really like take them down while they're already out. Is that what we resorted to with police now? 
So, yeah, I, I kind of have to agree with Leo. I, I've really kind of lost faith in them. I really have. And, and it's sad that it's it come to that. But, you know, people have lost faith in government. They've lost faith in police. Like, it's just, and they, and they keep doing it, the cops. They just keep doing the same thing over and over again. And that gets more people angry, Aaron. And it just, like, it, it's that, it, it escalating is what's happening. And it's, uh, well, I don't know what it's going to keep, be. We have to keep. You have to keep in mind that those cops were no doubt responding to a directive from likely the municipality telling them that those guys had to go in there and take that uh, that encampment down for a variety of reasons. You know, it's an eyesore. It's a problem for the community. It's unsafe. People could die. Those tents could erupt into flames as they're trying to heat them in the cold. We've seen that happen many times, right. you know, over over the years with situations like that. So I understand why they need to move them along. The question is, and I don't have an answer to this, is where did those people end up after they broke that encampment up? And it's a very sad thing to see happen. I think the real blame needs to be directed at the the governments, you know, the provincial and yeah. federal governments that have failed the people to the point where we have the encampment set up to begin with, where we have homeless a homeless problem. Well, there is a, a place called the Bissell Center, and I don't know if, if it was in, I've I seen a video that went around, um, I, uh, and I, I don't know if it was in Calgary or Edmonton, the Bissell Center, but it's a homeless center. And there were so many people lined up the other night. It was up around the block, and they're going, we don't have room for all these people to come in here. So they had a truck driving up and down giving people hot chocolate or blankets because we can't get you all in here. Yeah. I mean... That's what I'm telling you. There's more homeless than there is shelters. And I think that's probably right across Canada. It's not just here. I, I, I believe that there's a problem right across Canada. With I homeless. don't doubt that at all. I think you're probably right. Yep. No doubt. And it seems to be getting, getting more every day. So I don't know. But yeah, I just was just chiming in on what Leo was saying there. And um, I thought I'd just touch bases with you and let you know that it's, yeah. it's breaking. We're still surviving. Uh, the power, we have not lost any power. Thank God for that. Mind you, we can lose power when the sun's out and it's nice and sunny for no reason. So, but yeah. no, we've been, we've been pretty lucky. Um, I hope you guys never get that kind of cold down there. I don't wish that upon my worst enemy. Well, maybe too. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, basically that's all I have to, had to say for tonight was just to let you know that the weather is changing for the better. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. Really appreciate the call. All right. You're welcome. All right. We'll talk to you later. Right. Bye-bye. See ya. Okay. Is this Don? This is Don, Rick. How are you, So, Rick, have we been, I, I just tuned good. I'm not bad. I'm sitting in the sauna right now. I'm trying to get my bones nice and warm. And uh, I've been kind of uh, entertaining myself with uh, the uh, Dr. Shiva videos that we've been talking about. Oh, yeah, I yeah. I just like his approach. Mm. I love his approach. He calls out... Uh, Bobby Kennedy, Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan. He calls out everybody who's in the swamp. See, we're all steering Quebec. He talks about all their demons. He's very interesting. DrShiva.com. To go there, you're going to find out that he's got dirt on everybody. Now, this guy's not just some guy who was a millionaire and and from the when he was born with a silver spoon, you know, in his mouth. He, this guy here, he actually has three degrees from... MIT, 
uh, or is it uh, three doctorates uh, from MIT? The guys are like one of the, in my opinion, he's one of the smartest people in the world. And I know a lot of smart people, but smarter than Leo, I'm telling you, <laughs> this guy has it. Yeah. But um, I recommend everybody consider this guy. I mean, he, he always American, right? But if you have American friends, shed the word because this guy's being censored. But he he's a ground up movement. You can print out his brochures and 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 pass them to your American friends. Well, or have him on. I know he'll have you on. He's he's got everybody on, right? I I, I you know I'm I, I'd be open to talking to him. I'm not I'm not as convinced uh, or as sold on the guy as you are. I've listened to some of what he says. Uh, I think that he, um, I'm I'm undecided on him. I think he uses he soft pedals a narrative the way that many of these guys are. I think he has an agenda that is not fully revealed. Um, I suspect that he's he's got an agenda that he's not entirely. He's just he's not. He, we we don't have the full picture on this guy. Um, I, I, I sense, I sense and, there's, there are other things that he's, I'm just, I'm just not, you think he's some things agenda? that really concern me about him. In addition to that, yeah. I don't know well, how much like, you've done, how, how far you've, you've, you know, researched him, but there is a lot of dispute. Some people dispute his claims that he is the inventor of email. I'm aware of that as well. So. Well, the, you know. if you listen to his video, he talks about how his email, he invented email, mm -hmm. but in-house, in local area networks, not in uh, the internet, not connecting to the World Wide Web. He, he invented, he took from people had to use, when he was 14 years old, he had yeah. to take papers and and convert them into digital media and, and work within an office building. And he totally eliminated the, um, having all that paper. And Why do you think he's running he, for president? He, now he, yeah. What's that? Why do you think he's running? He's for running president? for 24. Yeah. Why? Because why? We live in a dirty, filthy, we're at the end of the line. And this guy is so spiritual that you, you'll you tell that this guy has religion in his soul. Like not any particular religion. Okay. But he just has, like, he does not want this world to go where it's going. And it's, it, we're, he talks about the swarm. Everybody's in the swarm and they may kill each other. They may knock each other off. And they may make fun of each other and they may call each other this and that. But in the end, they all work for the same thing. They like, all I mean, work for Israel. I, I just, I can't see this guy like really having a chance at, at winning because he doesn't have the money. He doesn't have the backing. He doesn't have the machine. So Mike, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm like, why does somebody like that, anybody in, in this, in his case, why, why do it? You're, you're the chances of that the, guy actually winning are to get beyond almost nil. So what's his what's his real purpose? And I would say okay, it's, so it's yeah, he, he doesn't conclude that he's going to get elected. He doesn't Sorry, say he's going to get elected. What he's going to do is if he, if he if he gets a million people to understand his system science and how the the, the swarm works, he's done more. And then may, and he's still a young guy. So even in 28, when he goes, like he could he'll have, he'll have more people. And more time so he, honestly there's i can from my opinion and i followed him all man this guy here yeah. I, I he's a millionaire already or maybe even a billionaire you know like i don't see why he and he's he worked his whole life hard not like all these freeloaders uh like rebecca and donald trump golden toilet seat 
and um, and Bobby Kennedy, the heroin addict. You know, he's got it all, man. Like, and you know what? He says this stuff on on YouTube, and they don't take him down because it's true. But in, in Bobby Kennedy's book, he talks about all the women he banged and 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 all his life story. He doesn't have a clean past. Everybody thinks he's a freaking hero, but he's not. Mm. He plagiarized a bunch of stuff. He put a book out there two years too late. And when Dr. Shiva was fighting for our rights and during COVID, we didn't, they, they suppressed him. You know, even Elon Musk, he talks about how he's part of the swamp. And you got to watch his video, the, the swamp, or not the swamp, the swarm. And they all work like be, uh, birds. It's like, it makes so much sense. But uh, I, yeah, I want to get that. I want, you know, I want you to interview him. You can go right on his webpage and you can ask for a, an interview. Okay. And um, it's not too hard. So he said he and he's strategic on the algorithm that he uses. He's attracting people that he knows have big followings and that are on that side. He, Tucker Carlson, he calls him Fucker Carlson. Fucker Carlson, like, will never even he had the data on how the uh, how to save our lives during COVID. And, and he held it for two years. He didn't even put them on. And now they come out with it with somebody else who takes the credit for it. But meanwhile, it's all his work. Same with the back door of Twitter. He's the one who came out with that. He came out, he, he discovered the back door of Twitter. And now Glenn Greenwald is the one who takes the credit for it. And he's part of the, swamp, the, the swarm too. They control you. They just keep you uh, watching them. And you can stay at home and uh, just let them do all the work. And they'll take care of the country. But meanwhile, his approach is you do the work. Here, here's my P, uh, my JPEGs, and here, print these out and give them to your friends. Have them sign up. Have them sign my, uh, you know, he doesn't pay for all these uh, ballots, sign the ballot to get them elected in every state. Some states are different, right? So the guy he knows how to do it. And he even knows about the algorithms, about the uh, election machines, how they flip. He describes all that stuff. And if that's true or not, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I don't know about the, uh, the algorithms of how they work. But the guy here has been studying... Um, he invented algorithms. Uh, so he's got companies that um, can do all that stuff. So he, I would trust what he says first. And uh, hey, since YouTube hasn't knocked him off or he hasn't been knocked off, I think he's, they're running from him. You can see they're running from him. But anyways, I hope you actually get onto him and that could be a great show. But, you know, he does a lot of shows. He's my new one, man. I, can't, I, I canceled Tucker. You canceled Tucker Carlson, did you? Yeah, I can't. That's bullshit. That file, that, that ugly face he's got, that he looks at you like he's oh, totally stunned. He's totally stunned that you're, oh my God, he's totally stunned. Freaking oh, guy the one with the CIA. Kind of when he know. does the jet slack jaw, like when he does that kind of oh, a look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gives you that ugly stare like he's so shocked, you know? He's just stirring the pot, man. Just listen to me and I'll tell you everything. Two or three years too late. You know, where we all sit back and everything's over with, you know, he talks about Trump, you know, the, the, the back door into Twitter and Facebook and all that government has these back doors. He discovered it. And Trump's the one who signed that into office under the CISA executive order. Mm -hmm. Trump's the one who gave us uh, Trump gave us uh, warp speed mandates, yeah. lockdowns. Yeah. So we think that we, we idolize these guys, but they, they are not to be idolized. They all work together and they beat yeah. each other up. We think when uh, he gets indicted that, oh, he's on the other side. That's reinforcement to believe that he's actually on the other side. Yeah. Like, and they're Joe Biden falling down the stairs. Like, he, they're just passing the ball, just like the liberals are passing the ball to the conservatives. They're going to play this game on us. We're going to look, we're going to go to Pierre. We're going to like beg for him to save us. And you wait, man. He's going to screw us over. 
and that's how they do it. And historically, that's how they've been doing it. But uh, you know, yeah. Rick, I um, I, yeah, I, I appreciate you bringing like you know drawing. I appreciate you drawing attention to uh, to Doctor Shiva. I'm for me, the jury's still out on the guy. I I have watched some of his stuff. Not enough for me to formulate again a, a full opinion on him. Um, but I understand what you're saying about all these other candidates. I, I totally get it, including watching Trump. Him is more yep. exciting than watching the OJ. You know, Sorry, more I, exciting than watching the OJ Trump. <laughs> yeah, like the way he calls those people, he's just like, and he has so much guts and balls, and he's just like, he's from New York, you know. He he doesn't he doesn't uh, have a filter. He doesn't have time for the proper words. He just tells you the truth if you can handle that. But anyways, but anyway, I think it's my first time really calling in here. I might have called in a while back, Rick. No, I... Um, but uh, I watch your show once a week or so, and I like your show, buddy. My wife loves you. She's a fired nurse, you know, and she's uh, we we're very passionate about everything going on in the world. We got four kids here, and man, we got to save this freaking world. We can't wait for these our saviors. These saviors of ours aren't doing nothing for us, you know. They're just they're not. They're just ripping us off with battery plants, and you know, we, hey, they built this battery plant, okay, it's almost done, like, it's almost done, but they got the house, the roof on, right, it thinks Matt, it's going to be bigger than the hospital, they've been talking about the hospital for 10 freaking years, where's the shovels at the hospital, we got this damn battery plant, that's probably not going to go anywhere, we all know that, we don't want to talk about that shit, we got a bridge that's one foot off an elevation, and you know what, this damn uh, government, everything they, they touch, they fuck up, and everything is turning to shit, and, and people just... They sell down it's only seven hundred million or whatever. That's nothing. Ten uh, percent of the budget. You know what? We're getting screwed right and left, and we're going to continue getting screwed until we actually have some real leadership. And I think if we have better leadership over there, we can hold our Canadian partners, their Canadian partners, uh, accountable. Well, like so I've that's said many, many times, I think you're, I, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. And for me, it just comes down to we need less government, a whole lot less government, and they need to just be providing the services that. Government should be providing, you know, pick up the garbage, pave the roads, you know, stop meddling in cultural oh, engineering, social engineering, and all of this stuff. You know, just pick up the garbage on Tuesday and I'll basically be happy. Get rid of the potholes in the roads. And, uh, you know, for me, yeah. that's what yeah, I well, want. Well, 10%, 10.5% tax increase in Toronto. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. we know what that's going to. And then we have 5% in, in Windsor or LaSalle here. Like, for what? I mean, we still have ditches in LaSalle. We don't even have, like, sewer systems in, in, mo in a lot of the areas that they, you know, they just developers, 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 and they're just ruining the system down here. Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, every now and then we'll designate a park federal and we'll put up a couple signs and we'll give a couple billion dollars for these people to shut up. You know what? It's all, it's all BS, man. We're all just getting screwed right and left, and... We got so much spin going on, so much drama every day that we don't even have time to think about anything. We're worried about Houthis and, you know, Palestinians, and we're worried about Israel and the bomb. It's never going to freaking happen, you know? But anyways, nobody's going to bomb us. Everybody will lose money. That's never going to happen. That's you may have them. a valid point there. Scare us with these freaking, and they try to scare us with these freaking movies like Obama made, whatever that thing was called. That was freaking yeah, psycho warfare. Behind, yeah. Right? They, yeah. Yeah, they make that to scare the crap out of you. I seen some tweet Elon Musk put up today is like about the moon coming into the earth. It's like all this fear porn. Keep mm. us fear. We need you. Help us. You know, we 
we need to be uh, in fear all the time. We need the government and we don't need the government. We need to hold our government accountable. We just don't need to sit around, eat chips and play video games and watch our kids go and do fuck all, right? It's like our kids are just going to waste, you know, I just, you know, I just, it's a shame the way they're going right now. You know, if they make it past 1920, look at the obituaries and everything, you know, um, the, 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 the fentanyl problems, like, you can't get hydrochloroquine in this country, but, uh, but you can get all the fentanyl you want. You know, it's just like, it's crazy. It's crazy, this world we live in, and we gotta, we gotta hold these people accountable. Every one of those bastards that are in office right now, I, I'll even call out Brian Massey. You know, he didn't do nothing. He wore a mask. You know what? He's he's a coward to me. He's not a man. Nobody's a freaking man. Nobody's ever worked a day in their lives. I'm a hard worker, buddy. And um, I and I'm, I do good. And I, I honestly, um, I work hard and I hate to see everything I do go into that. You know, just and, and I want my better life for my kids, you know, while I work myself to death. I, want, anyway, a better, I want a better life for your kids, too. Yep. Listen, I'm gonna let you go. I'll call another time. I'm sweating. Right. My uh, anyways, I'm in the sauna, so. Okay. I'll talk to you later. All right, all right. Thanks for calling in. It was a yeah. good one. Look forward to the next time. All right. Okay, and here's the man. It's John. Hey, Welcome bro. back, sir. How are you? Sorry you had to wait so long tonight. We had a lot of callers stacked up. Uh, who's that guy talking about, Doctor Sheba or something? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was Don. Running for president. Yep. I never heard of that. See, this is the problem. Well, that's why about the guy. That's why we're here. This is Dr. Shiva. He says he invented email. He um he's been doing like a lot. He's been he's got a pretty sizable following, you know, with with his online um live streams and stuff. He appears on some other, you know, big name podcasts and things. He's He's out there. He's he's been around for good, a couple of whiles, but sounds good, but nobody's heard of him. This yeah, he's not going to win. Yeah, no, obviously not. He's not yeah. even in the debates or nothing. So right, yeah, waste waste of time. Sounds like a good guy though, but yeah, that's what happened. All the good guys, they don't want him in there, right? Well, they want they want people that they can tell what to do, like guys like Trump, you know. Yeah, they control him, and he does what they tell him. Uh, anyhow, the, uh, every, that's why I listen to the show. Everybody I know, about seventy-five percent of the population, they don't care, Rick. They don't care if they jack up the taxes fifty percent. They don't. Well, maybe they might care about that, but mm. they're not going <laughs> to say nothing. They don't care. Yeah. They don't care about politics. They don't care about anything. All they care about is going to work, coming home, doing their hobbies or whatever they do. That's it. You know what I mean? They, they, people don't care. This is the problem with this world. And that's why we're losing it. Yeah. Yeah. We're losing it. You know? I, I try to talk to people. I think that's very accurate. Yeah. Sorry, what's People that? People don't want to hear it. Yeah. When I when I talk to them about politics or anything, they don't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. They just don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear about it. They just ignore it, acknowledge it, and and that's the way this seventy five percent of the population is. 
they don't care. Well, you know, you, probably you know a lot of people don't care about about politics or what's going on in the government. A lot of them don't even vote. They don't care. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, they'll care. When, care when the country's you know finally totally annihilated and gone. Maybe I. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean exactly. And we see it, but they 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 don't see it. You know. Yeah. Like I, all I do all day long. I'm on YouTube watching all the latest war war stuff with all like all these like M M McGregor and oh yeah you know yeah. I, I, I watched a good one uh, last night uh, uh, about Iran mm -hmm. the 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 ammo and planes they have some amazing uh, equipment. That nobody else has, and uh, it scares uh, Israel. It scares uh, the U.S. because they have some super duper weapons, man. Like nobody's got. Yep. They're, they got good technology there. What they did today, Rick, it was a message they were sending Israel and U.S. They, they, they. they I think it was eight strikes. Uh, it was near. They, they almost hit an airport. They hit uh, the the embassy, uh, the uh, U.S. base. They never hit it. It was close, close to all those targets. Yeah. And it's just sending them a message. It's all they were doing. It, it, just like th these boats that go to the Red Sea, they they don't want to blow them up. They're just sending a message. They're sending a message. You think the Houthis? Can't blow up those boats going through there? Come on! You think they can't blow up the American boat in the middle? The Houthis are stacked. Apparently, they got over three thousand missiles, all kinds of rockets, and they got like five thousand drones. I don't know how many drones they got, but they got three thousand missiles. They're a powerhouse, the Houthi, the Yemen. I'm telling you, they got they. They got millions of people there ready to fight. Good luck. Uh, you ain't going to beat it. You know, but they were just sending out a message today, Rick. That's all it was, was a message. Saying, don't mess with us. You don't know what we're capable of doing to you. Uh, I, I, like I said, I think if, if there's a, if, I think that it's a trap. So best that we not escalate. Got to find a way to de-escalate. We got to stop this war in in Gaza. Mm -hmm. Yeah, do you know the Jews? It cost them. Look at this. This is Jew math. That's one thing the Jews are good is in math. <laughs> They're all accountants, lawyers, doctors. Uh, you know what I mean? The, all the high-paying jobs. They, they run this world. Okay, so this is this is their. They're saying it cost them three hundred million a day. For the war in Gaza, times a hundred days, because they they've been fighting a hundred days now. That's thirty billion dollars they've spent so far. What? There's two million people in Gaza. Divided by thirty billion, you probably get twenty thousand dollars a person. That's not enough. I'd say give everybody a million bucks and say get the hell out of here <laughs> instead of. 
All I could tell you. Well, you, that's that's thinking outside the box, and I'm all about thinking outside the box. So well, if we can come to a peaceful resolution somehow, then uh, you know, I'd out. be very much like in favor. Someone buys yeah. your house. The Trudeau, if Trudeau wants to build a highway through your house, yeah. he's going to buy you out, right? Eminent domain. Yeah. Or you, or you get to sit there and start sabotaging all the, you know what I mean? You, you got to go, right? Trudeau say, hey, here's an X amount of dollars. You got to move. Relocate. See you later. Adios. You go find another house. And they build a highway through your house or whatever they want to build, an airport or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But why don't they just buy them out? Do you think they, they would you, accept something like that? I don't think they would. A million bucks? I, I mean, I would move for, well, would I move for a million? You have to, maybe he's going to have to be more than oh. that. Gonna have to be more than a million. Actually, bucks. You're, oh, yeah, yeah. The real estate here is a lot more. Than That's right. Like a million dollars, you'd be lucky to yeah. buy a house if, if you when you got to Canada, right? So it's like it's gonna have to be more than a million. My friend, he, he's got a nice a business, right? Yeah. And it's a nice piece of land, and they they want to build townhouses, and they tried to buy him out. He goes, "I'm not buying. No, I ain't selling. No, not enough yeah. money." He says, "I want more money." Yeah. So they built around them. <laughs> he's a, he's in the middle. He's got a business in the middle of it. And uh, same with up the street. There's a, a burger joint called Johnny Johnny's. Bur it's been there for I don't know how long. They didn't want to sell. They make good money there. It's open mm -hmm. late at night. Everybody goes there. So they built around them, office towers, <laughs> around the guy. Around the guy. It's just a. That that's what they that's what they have to do, but but if the price is right, you'd you'd move, obviously, you know. Well, yeah, I but, mean, uh, everybody has their price. Uh, but you know, when the government you, wants you to, when they're building a highway, you got no choice, Rick. This that's is what right. you get, and you got to go. Yep, they expropriate the land. They use eminent domain. They they say you're moving, and uh, and this is the market value, and this is what you get. We're going to pay you out. We're going to buy you out. They don't you care. Sell. Even if you lose money, you know, you're out of there. <laughs> Sad, eh? Well, you know that the, but you know, when you get into this um, neoliberal woke identity politics and uh, this, this anti-colonialist um, ideology that they're applying, not just in Gaza, but worldwide, including here in Canada, you start to apply that here. You look at that situation here, the way that it relates to First Nations peoples. Um, you know, it starts to get complicated here as well because of the treaties that are in place. Uh, I've, I've said on several occasions over the past couple of weeks that maybe what we'll do is we'll actually dig into one of these treaties tonight to show people what they what these treaties were all about back when they were first drafted and then signed. Uh, so people kind of understand some of the history, they really understand the history. People talk about the treaties. And like I said, here in Canada, people say, well, if we could just get the First Nations clean drinking water, um, that's the go-to phrase. Yeah, yeah. And they don't really understand the issues. It's, it's more complex than that. But it's that anti-colonialist, anti, you know, they use the phrase occupier. 
And it, yeah. um, I think it simplifies things a little too much. And that's a political phrase that is used to justify political and even military actions on one side. Um, and it's been pretty effective. So it's the same, uh, same idea, same ideology at work over here, and it is spreading worldwide. Make no mistake about that. We can dig into it more another night, but um, I think we have to be careful about how we view and, and deal with all of these, these issues. And I'm just going to leave it at that for now because it's, it's just too complicated to get into tonight. All, all I know is the natives, they all stick together. Mm -hmm. You try mm -hmm. to take mm -hmm. over their land, there's protests, there's they're, they're causing chaos. Mm -hmm. uh, they win. And, and, mm -hmm. and the, These days the, they do, the, yeah. The government, the, the government scratches their head and says, oh, we don't want to mess with them again. <laughs> they're going to block the train tracks. They're going to block well, the highways. See, <laughs> if, you go, if you go back and you look at all that stuff that I was dealing with like over a year ago, remember? And I was talking about UNDRIP yeah. and the First yeah. Nations and... All of that stuff and, and everything was getting kind of out of hand here for a while. And I was and I was doing that investigation and I was bringing the information out for people and trying to explain everything from that actually ties in directly on an international level with what's going on in Gaza. And you see the, even the people protesting right now uh, and, and even holding oh, new conferences yeah. on Parliament Hill saying that... You know, the it's about occupiers. It's about colonialism, and it's this. It's it's the same politics in play in Gaza that are in play here. And they refer to all of Turtle Island, which you know most Canadians eat up until you know. I even say now most Canadians don't even know what you what you're talking about when you just say Turtle Island. Most people don't even know. But so much part. See how much power the Jews have? You can't even stand on a goddamn bridge. Uh, you get arrested now. Look at that. Eh? But you can stand in front of uh, Ford's house for, for two months. But John, but John, why, why do you say that that's the Jews? That's. It's the Jews that don't want them there. They're the ones. Oh well, in that particular case, right on that here. on I, that I particular bridge. On. Well, do you do you understand why? Well, I can understand why. Yeah, they're blocking so access to, to to. They're not letting people go home. They're not because blocking they're Jews? access, Rick. They were the thing. The cops are blocking the 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 cops are actually blocking the road. They're standing on the sidewalk. I was talking to these guys there. Okay, mm -hmm. they were. They had no flags. They told me we got no flags. All we got is our scarves that 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 has the uh, Gaza emblem, whatever on it. Yeah, I and, guarantee and you that if, if the there were sidewalk. people, if there were people blocking access, there, there's a there's a almost all Muslim neighborhood uh, in this part of in in my town, and I can tell you right now, people were blocking access or even out there just protesting. They weren't blocking. No even access, if they, though. John, even if even if people went to that neighborhood and said. And we're protesting 
be, because it was a Muslim neighborhood, it was, the, yeah, the cops would go down there and tell those people to move along too, and rightly so. So either way, if you're targeting a group of people because of their ethnicity or even for some other reason like that, it just no. I don't care who we it is. We went there Sunday with no flags, no mm -hmm. flags. No, it was only a few, handful of women and people, and they were standing on the sidewalk over I the bridge. But John, I saw, I saw the video too, yeah. and it and honestly, come on, man, it was it's not safe for those people to be there on that bridge protesting <laughs> there. It's not. Oh, they told them uh, to go there at the foot of the bridge. You know what, Rick? Let's go down you know what, Rick? And Next time there's a, down at the a convoy bridge over there. Okay. Now Next time there's a, a, a truck convoy going through the 401, uh, we don't want nobody standing on the bridge waving their Canadian flags, okay? Mm -hmm. We're going to kick them all off, okay? Which, that's what's going to happen, the way you're talking. They already okay? have laws Next to do time, that to the truckers, I was, man. I was on the bridge up, up, up on the 401 bridge up here. Yeah. When the truck, I was there for hours, and it was like 30 below out there. And they were nice enough to bring us coffees and donuts. Who, they don't who, who standing out there. Did the, the cops brought no. you guys coffee and donuts too? No, it wasn't cops, sir, Rick. There was, there was no cops there, to be honest with you. There was a lot of snow banks, and it was hard to get to. And we had to walk a mile because there's nowhere to park because it's a high, it's an overpass. We had I ended up parking in some church, and we walked a good 10, 15 minutes in a sub-20 below zero, and we're standing there. Waving our flags for the truck. Mm -hmm. And then the trucks came, and they were all scattered by, by my end. They weren't all together. Mm -hmm. But I was there for about two hours, and then I got too too cold. But they brought us coffee. Mm -hmm. I don't know who it was. Some, Yeah, it was big jugs of coffee, like the cops did. <laughs> Same size. <laughs> we, you know, I had two or three of them to warm up. And donuts, you know. Timbits, it was Timbits they brought us. <laughs> but uh, that was nice of them there. And every bridge, same thing. People full of people, both sides. And you're so you're telling me this is no good. We we, we got to stop this. So when the next convoy comes there, I don't want to see no protests over any bridge. Too dangerous, okay, if Rick? There, if, John, if you have people standing on a narrow sidewalk on an overpass, on a busy, on a busy bridge, if you've got a safety issue, then yeah, I want people to move along, John. I don't want anybody to get hit by traffic. I'm going to see here, just a bunch of truckers. Move along, move along. But they can't do it, right? Racist rednecks, you know, like, Come on, what man. I'm saying. they're not doing no harm. They're standing, they're protesting because they're, they're no, John. They were protesting. Why were and they protesting you, there, John? Uh, Why were they protesting on that bridge? Because they want the war to stop in Gaza. Because the they because the, the, the neighborhood because the road and that bridge led into a Jewish neighborhood, that's John. Right. That's why. That's right. Now, now destroying a, a store that. They should go to jail, send them home. Whatever. So as all the if Jews go damage, home to their to go to their houses at the end of the day, or when they're leaving in the morning, or whatever time they were there, so they're they're yeah. there to 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 protest the Jews in their in their One neighborhood week, in Canada. It's not like they're there every day. Okay, go ahead. So, why are they? Why are they? The, the people living in that neighborhood, they're. This isn't Israel. This is Canada. 
Why don't they go down and protest at the government building? They, they They want the Palestinians gone. They want them all wiped out. Yeah, well, the Palestinians every, want the Jews I, I, wiped out. I, I, I know some Jews that, that are on my side. You know, they don't like what's going on. But yeah. most of those, a lot of those Jews, they, they want them all gone. And I'm telling you one thing, Rick. I'm, from, I swear yeah. to God, this is coming from McGregor, okay? Jews better be very careful because they will not exist in Gaza anymore, in Israel. Uh-huh. They're going to wipe them out. All uh-huh. these... Yeah, but I've been listening. I've been listening to Colonel McGregor. I've been listening yeah, to him Colonel too. Colonel McGregor, that's right. Yep, he, I've been he, listening to him lately. He, this, they're all. They're, hey, you got you got all. The, that's a Muslim country there. Yeah, maybe and, we should get Colonel McGregor on here, and maybe we'll uh, we'll have a pretty in depth discussion yeah, about the Jews. Actually, you should get him Colonel on there. McGregor he, and he, I. He, yeah. Seems like he likes to talk about this topic. He sure does <laughs> like to talk about the Jews lately, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. he does. Him and Ritter, uh, Scott. Yeah, Scott, yeah, uh, yeah. Ritter, Pretty yeah. interesting comments all the way around. Anyways. Yeah. Anyhow, the, I, I believe it. The, 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 those, you, you don't want to mess with uh, the, those Arabs there, okay? They're, they're, yeah, well, some people are seem to be aligning pretty closely with those Arabs um, while talking about the Jews and just all the way around. It's, uh, I think, pretty concerning. And, uh, you know, I'm just glad, John, that you and I can still be friends and, and talk about this stuff. But it's it's certainly well, no, polarizing, no, listen, and, Rick, you know. Don't worry yeah. about it, Rick. You can tell me anything you want. Hey, listen, we're, yeah. we're just talking, okay? Like, That's right. Hey, I should be like my friends and not give a shit about anything. I just <laughs> just yeah. be, happy, be happy you got a house, you got a, yes. a job, you got food on the table, you got, you know, be happy. <laughs> That's what they yeah. tell me. <laughs> yeah. Happy. Now. Another thing, those, like, I love Jews, okay? I work with a lot of them, some of my friends. It's those military guys that I don't like, okay? Because they're the ones that are stirring all this shit up. Because mm. a lot of the Jews, they want they want them to release the people and stop the war. But mm. they're just warmongers. They're fucking liars. Oh, sorry. They're liars, Rick. Do you believe what the uh, that what's his name? That little guy there, you know that little. You, you notice all these mil, Jew military? They're all little short guys. <laughs> I don't see. They're all little short guys, man. They're all like five foot two. <laughs> I watch it all the time, and I laugh because all they're all their asses almost hitting the sidewalk when they walk. You know, <laughs> they're fucking five foot two, <laughs> five foot one. Anyway. They're liars. You believe that 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 one who was pointing goes, see, see a list. This is the list. It was a calendar or something. You know that guy. He he was on there today saying uh, that did it not did it not uh, uh, bomb those people that the, the two people that that they were video of those two people today. Oh, the are you talking about, about the, the the car ramming incident in Israel? No, no, Something the else. hostages. Oh, oh, the, the two, two hostages, hostages that they say they killed. Yeah. Hamas says that Israel bombed them, right? So and, they say. And, and that little guy there, that little guy, that little skinny guy, you know, five foot one, you know, he thinks he's, uh, you know, I fucking one finger, I'd fucking kill him. Uh, he, 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 uh, he says that we, we did not 
kill those people. We, we, we're very careful where there's hostages. If they knew where the hostages, they would get them out. Uh, they're, they're liars. The Jews lie. Those guys, those guys, military guys, they lie. Anyway. Okay. All right. Another thing, forget about, forget about this war shit, okay? We're all going to get blown up one day, so it doesn't matter. It's in the <laughs> okay. Bible. It's in the Bible. That's where it's going to start. This morning I was watching Davos on the business channel. Right, yeah, because the yeah. WEF, they'd kicked off their yeah, look, uh, their annual forum, yeah. Looks cold there. Lots of snow. Looks cold. But, you know, was on there this morning? Um, what's his name? Uh the guy that was messing around with Trudeau's wife there, uh, Emra, Emra. Oh, um, Israel. Um, Israel, yeah. Uh, Elbus, he was on is the it? business channel. Yeah, yeah, that's the guy, the black guy. Yeah, um, was, Idris Elba, Idr Idris Elba, yeah. That's the guy. Isn't he it terrible on, when everybody knows that you, you, you know, the guy who's having the affair with. Prime Minister's wife. <laughs> like it, it's, it's all public. It's like everybody knows. <laughs> he he was on there this morning on the business channel uh, and uh, with his wife. <laughs> yeah, he brought his wife. Fantastic. With him. <laughs> so well, go, you know the the, uh, the family well, that uh, that goes on air together. <laughs> yeah. Stays together. Yeah. I don't know, whatever. Oh yeah, his wife was there. And his wife goes, "Well, we're Canadians. We're not up to this stuff." She was saying. <laughs> uh, it was. I was listening away though. It was funny. <laughs> okay, Rick. I don't uh, want to piss you off anymore. Oh, you didn't uh, piss me off, your, John. I love you, I man. Got your temperature going. I love you. I just. <laughs> I love you. I just. Yeah. I, I just don't. I, I, it just. I, it makes me cringe. It. It makes me really uncomfortable when we get into this anti. Jewish stuff. I, it makes yeah, me I know, really, really uncomfortable. So I don't like they, they it. They should just stop, stop it mm. all, and 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 try to resolve it a, a peaceful way. We can and, agree on that. Yeah. And then it will save a lot of headaches. But it's all it's all in a design to get everybody fight, like me and you and everybody else, to get everybody fighting. You know. Yeah, I ain't fighting you with know, you. I, I love you too much. So, so um, you know, and you know what I need to, John. You know what I need to know from you is um, you, you, you wanted you wanted a you wanted an XXL polo shirt, but I don't have one. I'm going to get some eventually, but I just don't have any. So, can I send you an XXL of something else? Because I sent you one thing already. I think. Did you get that that I sent you the shirt that I sent? I got two shirts. Yes, very nice. Thank you. I, I'm still wearing it. I, I I haven't taken it off yet. I got two. <laughs> oh, well, take it off and wash it once in a while. I know you love it, but I got you know. <laughs> I'm serious. I got two. I haven't taken it off. I I wear it. All, I wear it all the time. Well, I don't go out much, Rick. But when I go out, I put it on. Uh, in the house, I wear it. So right now I got a native shirt on. So, yeah. Blackhawk. Uh, Blackhawks. Uh, <laughs> but when I go out, you know, which is you know, yeah. I don't go so, out very long. So do you want me? Do you want me to send you something else? Because I know you wanted a polo shirt, but I just don't have. So you want me to send you something what? else? Oh, the, the like the golf shirt. Yeah, I don't. I don't have one in a double XL right now. It it could be you know weeks before I get 
more of those. Well, no, no rush, no rush. Okay. No, no the, the reason why I like that one is I can wear it to work. To, to I the see. Office, you know? Okay, yeah. And when you're dressed up a bit, because I, sometimes I have to get dressed up to go to meetings and stuff, you know? Hey, you know, I, it, I, you I know what, you, if you, if you wore the Maverick News polo shirt with a tie. Yeah. <laughs> with a tie. <laughs> that would be super, I don't like tucking my shirts sticky. in there, Rick. <laughs> That's why I wear the polo shirts, because I don't tuck them in. <laughs> and I don't wear ties. I don't wear ties. I, I go to weddings. I go to funerals. I go anywhere. I'm, I'm done with ties, Rick. Yeah. I'm done with ties. No more ties. <laughs> But I, I I like a nice shirt, you know, that looks nice, you know. But I don't, I can't tuck it in because, uh, to me, uh, I like, I like everything loose. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, well, everybody hates me because I don't do Zoom meetings. I said, I'm sorry, I don't do Zoom. It, so, I talk on the phone. If you want to talk, we talk on the phone. We have a party, party, party uh, on the phone. Okay. Well, then you can't see the thing. I said, I don't care. I don't. I don't do Zoom, man. <laughs> well, on on the nights when we do the video conference stuff, you can still you can still uh, click on the link, and you just don't activate your camera. Just use the audio only if you want. If you want to remain visually anonymous. Well, I don't care about. I mean, next time I should use my cell phone camera. That's the only camera I have because yeah. my computer is uh, all taped up. My iPad is all taped up. The speaker and like even the speakers taped up. Uh, they're listening, Rick. Yeah, yeah. I, I got nothing. I got nothing to hide. But they're see, listening. I'm a, I have I have a piece of tape over some of my laptops because I sometimes yeah. walk around in the house in my underwear, and I'm like, what if somebody's <laughs> like spying on me? Hey, they could see me in my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I was a Zoom. It was what I was watching the Business Channel. It was like a Zoom conference going on there, and I'm watching it on TV. And somebody walks around, her her husband or something with underwear behind it <laughs> in the house there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 the thing about it. it's funny Zoom Zoom. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm just they don't like me because I don't I don't uh, do Zoom. I, and I tell them, I, you know, I'm not. If you got any questions, just email them to me, and I'll answer. Okay. okay, I don't have to be there. I don't go. But if if you go to a meeting, I'm there. Like you know, like some you know most now, now they all have meetings now. So the the Zoom is all. This is when the COVID stuff was uh, <laughs> happening. But now. Mm-hmm. But they, some people still want to have Zoom meetings right now, and I, I go, what for? Let's just. Get together and well, that person lives too far. Okay, well he can be on Zoom and we can go to the meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there you go. Anything to keep me out of the cold. That's uh, this time of year. If I don't have to venture out when it's minus thirty-five, then I'm a happy guy. Oh, I see. Yeah. Anyway, you don't get paid for it. Okay. If I if someone if I could get somebody to pay me, that'd be a great thing. But. Yeah, well, you, you, you have to go to an office meeting, you get paid for it. <laughs> you don't go for free. That's nice. Anyway. So. anyway. All right, sir, we're going to move on to, um, I think, Choosy's yeah, up next. Have a good next. night. All right, see you, man. Bye. Okay, talk to you later. Nice talking to you. Bye. 
Choosy. Is that you, Choosy? It's me. How are you tonight, sir? All right. Who has to pee more, you or me? Um, probably you. Do you want to take a quick break and uh, go take a pee? And uh, right. No, I'm, I'm kind of, fortunately, I'm a little dehydrated, so I'm not too bad. And okay. uh, I, I don't know, man. What a day. I slept till noon <laughs> and I caught the garbage men uh at by surprise they took me by surprise because i wasn't expecting them when i figured it was martin luther king day and i ran out there with my bag of trash and uh and yelled at them hey what are you doing working on martin luther king day and they smiled and laughed and threw my garbage in there and i told them real quick about carnation revolution and they were like okay we're gonna look it up and I was like, mission accomplished. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So they stole your garbage. <laughs> they did. Oh, well. They got it. Man. And then, you know, even it's synchronicity because even though I was up till almost dawn doing what I do in the comments and chats and whatnot, and, uh, and anticipating putting the garbage out <laughs> at daylight, I I uh, I ended up like presiding over the New York City Palestinian protest chat and like kind of controlling the temperature of the whole thing from afar in the chat. And you know these are my little victories because I know if I wasn't there, it would be a mess, man. And I don't even know if it's going to make a difference, but I know that it's got to be doing something. And uh, um, anyway, listening to John, <laughs> and it's so sad that people don't understand that the Jesuits aren't a religion. And I don't know what I have to do to explain that better but I really wish I could do it. And I suspect John's probably out having a cigarette now. He's not going to hear me explain anyway. But um, the concept of induction and being inducted into a criminal organization by invitation only, they're like, hey, you, we want you. You know, like it's kind of like getting drafted, I suppose. That's not a religion. And people need to get with it. And and that that scene on the bridge with that Jewish neighborhood and the so-called Palestinian protesters looking in cahoots with the police is a good example of Jesuit word or theater. And you can suspect that everybody there is in cahoots. They know what they're doing. They're throwing up smoke screens for themselves, inducted Rome. And, uh, and, and uh, some people need a tune-up of their Jesuits' radar. They don't, and, and that, the caller before selling Dr. Shiva, all right? Yeah, yeah I get it. But uh, there's no such thing as political solution for fascism. So 
I need people to snap out of it and get logical quick because it's really starting to piss me off. And you're messing with my peaceful revolution Olympics. And Rick, I know you're not one of them. You're the voice of reason. I waited for over an hour to talk to you because you're not David Pac-Man. And I know I'm going to get through. And I know that you're doing the right thing. And there's punks in the chat that are saying, oh, you know, trying to gaslight us, saying, oh, you know, tell us that we're schizophrenic and that what, what are we doing this for? We're not making any difference. You know what? We, we run on that fuel. Go ahead. Gaslight us some more. It just gives us more energy and more conviction to carry on. You know, um, so um, I don't know what else to say uh, other than to connect the fact that political solution for fascism is impossible to uh, what the proven solutions are. Because logical people, again, look at history to see what has worked. And there's only two ways in history to expel Jesuit order fascism from a nation peacefully and legally. Either a benevolent pope, that means a pope that's not mean, who uh, says, hey, knock it off and, and pulls all the inquisitors out of a nation because they know who they are and that's happened in the past in 1773 pope clement the 14th withdrew the jesuit order from 80 nations expelled them that's a big deal how come we didn't learn about that in kindergarten that should have been history kindergarten 101 but they didn't teach us that when and people still don't understand that Bottom line uh, is we got to purge the corruption, and uh, in, we in do. simplistic terms. In simplistic terms, we need to occupy that Knights of Malta headquarters in in Ottawa, and I'm really getting pissed off with these people that act like they think they're macho, and they're big. Uh, you know, they're doing the, the world a big service by puffing up their chests in front of their families and pointing their fingers at the wrong people and the wrong principles. They don't even have principles right. Can't, you can't talk logic to people like that. And it's maddening. And it, it, it's a failure of education. It, it occurs to me that the the estimated illiteracy rate of around 24, 25% in America is sugar-coated. Mm. People are DAF, and that's why they don't GAF, as John was saying. They don't GAF because they're DAF. They're dumb, and, and they don't, they don't, they're so busy talking that they don't listen or read and uh, so it's up to us, the, the real aggressive educators, to pick up the slack. And we need to do that because everything is at stake by the all or nothing rule. Right? Well, it is really true. Close. The average reading level is only grade six out there. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. And people, they don't understand logic. 
We need to get back to the basics like Sesame Street with people. I don't know if it's what they put in the chemtrails or, or if there's some other kind of vitamin deficiency going on, but people are just getting dumber and dumber, even though there's a portion of us where, yes, the collective consciousness is rising. Now, here's the other thing. We don't need everybody to understand what's going along, what's, what's going to happen. We just need the, the people who understand what the solution is going to look like to act on it and, and to keep the communication going. Because without us, we're done. It's finished. And it's going downhill rapidly. They want and- it that way. And that is kind of where we're going to have to leave it off tonight because we're at the end of the line. It's uh, time to bring the show to a, a close. So I'll just I throw it over you. to you, Choosy, for a final thought as we wrap things up. We aren't confused and we're not powerless. We will exile the order of Malta and we will expel the Jesuit order like Pope Clement the Fourteenth, who failed to expel them from America. He failed to expel them from England or China or Russia. And that set the stage for all this backbleeding of Jesuit inquisition. He called them a heinous political monopoly, and that's exactly what they are. And in the uh, armed forces and in our uniform public service, the good people know who the bad people are and they are a minority and they will be weeded out. And then we will have peace. We will have a peaceful revolution and we will have peaceful revolution Olympics because that's our destiny. That's the only possible way that we're all going to survive this, the innocent people, not the bad people. And we're going to take better care of those bad people than they can take care of themselves because they're making a miserable mess of themselves in addition to us. And I love you, Rick. And and everybody in the chat, stand firm and just educate the other ignorant people the best we can. All right? And and if they don't want to hear it, you just move on to the next person and hope they have more open ears. Okay? Okay. Thank you, Choosy. I appreciate your call. Thank you, Rick. Okay. Have and a good, good night, night, my friend. Look forward to the next one. Take care. Good night, America. And, folks, that is going to do it for me tonight, too. On this 15th day of January, 2024, a pivotal point in history, I think. And uh, I will say this to uh, reinforce kind of what Chusey was saying. We do need to purge the corruption. And tonight, as much as ever, we need to pray for peace. Love all you guys. I'll be back tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, on the flip side.
This has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.